Hello, everybody. Welcome to a new episode of the Min Max Show podcast. Thank you for being here. My name is Ben Hans, and I'm joined by the one and only Jeff Markiafava. That's me. And we're joined by the one and only Kyle Hilliard. What's up? Hey, we're turning out some new personalities this episode. Joined by Janet Garcia. Hello. And I know what you're all thinking at home. What is this? Last week? Um, no, we just, we enjoyed that podcast so much. We said, let's stick with the same people forever. That's not true, but it just so happens to work out that the four of us, I guess, work out for this episode again, too. Because by God, Kyle, we're only covering one thing and one thing only in this episode of the podcast. You know what that is? Horizon Forbidden West again. One more time. One. Yeah, Jeff was playing Horizon Call of the Mountain and he is ready to tear the place apart defending (laughs) it. Uh, No, we are talking about demos. Glorious demos. We're going to unpack our favorite demos of all time. A little roundtable. And this is inspired by... If you look at the games that we're covering on this episode of the podcast, it's like, wait, naturally these all connect with a theme. And that theme is demos. Because we're talking about Wolong Fallen Dynasty which has a demo out now, has had a demo out for a while. We're talking about Humanity, the upcoming puzzle game uh, that also has a demo out now. Well, the demo was out. I think now you can't get it anymore, so you missed your shot. But it had a demo for everybody. Uh, Octopath Traveler 2, which has a very generous demo as well. And then uh, we're recording this before the Capcom stream is happening on Thursday. But it seems like people are probably going to be talking a lot about this uh certain Resident Evil 4 demo that they've already promised, and so that'll probably be coming very soon if you're not playing it right now. So demos are in the air, man. Hanson, can you say demo 10 more times, please? I don't understand what you aren't (laughs) understanding about this, everybody. It's demos. Demos are what we're talking about. Also, Um, the Wolong is out, just to clarify for people listening. Like, you can play the full game. You can play the full game. And uh, we've all played a bit of it. Kyle's played a hell of a lot of it, so we're going to unpack all that fun stuff. But, uh, Kyle, when I say the word demo... What era do you think of? What game do you think of? Give me, like, mm. what's on the top of your head, man? I think, uh, personally, because there was... I was... Th- like, demos are very important to the era of the PlayStation 1. Yes. But I was not much of a PlayStation 1 kid. I came really? to the PlayStation 1 late. So I my sort of big demo time was actually PlayStation 2. I remember... And I had just started working at GameStop for the first time. And so I would just take, whenever they went to go throw away the magazines, I would just take all the demo discs out because they were still releasing them for PS2. So I had a booklet full of like PlayStation 2 demos that uh, I played all the time. Wait, would you take extra for your friends and stuff? Or you'd just be sneaky and just have one and then fill that whole booklet out? I mean, I was the only one with a PlayStation 2, I think. So it wasn't like I was withholding anything from my friends, but I would have happily given them demos if they wanted them. Yeah, it was... That's what what uh, was going on with the PS One era for you? What were you distracted I was, by? Super Nintendo N64. stuff. Oh, of course. Was I? Yeah, yeah. I did I did eventually? I bought Mega Man X Four. Was the thing that made me go get a PlayStation. But even that was pretty late in the life cycle. I think PS Two was out at that point. Maybe I could be wrong about that. Right. Weird. Yeah, I, I definitely connected for like PS One. Like getting the PS One was my first console that I had. And there's some magic about just printing discs were relatively cheap. So demo discs were flying fast and loose. But this is dumb. I was really racking my brain for like, God, I had like three or so cherished demo discs for the (laughs) PS1. But I was like, I don't know how I got those. Like I never subscribed to video game magazines growing up. I, I don't know what I was doing. Clearly, I would have loved it if Hates it just would have been. media, you know, Ben Hansen. <laughs> That's right. I didn't <laughs> want to right. support evil giant corporations. 
Um, so I never did. Pizza but Hut, right? Pizza Hut was giving them out, I think. Pizza Hut was definitely a biggie. So it was like, that felt pretty late for me, at least, in the PS1 life cycle that they had the Metal Gear Solid demo. I do remember that. I played that at a friend's house. I do remember that. Because we were fascinated by the fact that the different, standing on different uh, parts of the level made different sounds. If you yeah. walked through the water, it would make a different sound than walking over here. And it would alert the guards in different ways. And we were just like, my God, this is the future. We've arrived. This is where video games are going. <laughs> I know. And I'm sure we'll talk about it. But like you think demos, first thing on my mind is like, well, Metal Gear Solid 2, like one of the most iconic demos of all time. But if I'm really thinking about it, thinking about like the demos that had the biggest impact on me, like I think Metal Gear Solid 1's demo might have been a bigger leap because by the time Metal Gear Solid 2's demo came around, I was so ready to play that thing. It's like, yeah, so the Enders I ended up loving, but I need to buy that just so I can play this demo. But like I was already hook, line, and sinker. Whereas Metal Gear Solid 1, that Pizza Hut demo, that was one that like I popped in there. Not really. I remember it got like an 8.5 or something on GameSpot. So I'm like, eh, Metal Gear Solid. Wait, uh, Metal Gear Solid or the demo disc? Metal Gear Solid. So I wasn't like oh. dying to get that game, but then jumping into that for the first time, I was like, okay, this is what a PlayStation 1 is capable of, just running around in that intro area over and over and over again. And just Did you get the pizza for the demo disc or did you just happen to be eating pizza that day? Like what was the pizza mm. relation God, it, it probably was connected because like Pizza Hut would just bribe you for everything good of like, okay, you read enough books, you can go get a personal pan pizza. And then it was mm. probably an ad saying like, hey, PlayStation owners, come shove some pizza in your face and play Metal Gear Solid. It's like, all right, well, we need but to. But how did that go down? Did you have to like tell your parents yeah, like, probably. hey, is anyone else in the mood for some Pizza Hut? Not pizza? only that. Like, yeah, but it was like it was like a half an hour drive for us because we live in the middle of nowhere. It was like, let's get in the car. Half an hour drive. This will be great. Pete, you like pizza? This is the only place to get it. So I'm sure it was pulling teeth to make it happen. But Jeff, are you a PS1 guy? No, I was not. Oh. Um, I was also N64 boy. Oh, no, you can't demo with that. It's no good. No, you, you you certainly couldn't. They weren't giving out demos for that. But We they, didn't have the technology. That's right. What are you going to no. do? They, they would be like $60 demos. At that point, you're just buying the game. Right. Really. Um, but uh, for me, it was the it was the Xbox era. And I I did support media. Um, I had official <laughs> Finally. Xbox Finally. It's about damn time. Yeah. Thank Someone God. Did. Thank right. you, Jeff. Um. <laughs> yeah, but that every issue of that came with a disc full of demos. Uh, and it was great. Yeah, what do you think was like, give me give me some top demos for you. Most impactful, favorite demos of all time. Like, did okay. you get in black? I think, was that a demo? Uh, I can't remember if that one was. The one Fusion that sticks frenzy. out for me. Right. The one, that, the one that sticks out for me and that I've mentioned before was the Reckless Yakuza Missions demo, which was like a weird early Xbox game. It's one, it's one of the games that probably made me buy an Xbox because it looked so impressive. It was, it was kind of a pseudo racing game. It's hard to, it's hard to explain because it was, it was kind of car action combat, but the, the real draw of it was just, you were driving through these, these streets and basically like running into everything. And there was, there was a ton of detail uh, for the time of like, like watching it was like, I can't believe what I'm seeing because there's yeah. so much detail and so much going on. And that was an early, that was one of the early demos on one of those discs that it gave, it let you drive for like, you know, 60 seconds. It was one of those kind of demos that I probably played more than the actual game. Once I actually bought the, but bought the game. Yeah. But, Reckless uh, Yakuza missions. That's what it was called. Yes. But it would nothing to do with Yakuza. 
Mm, no. Uh, no, I don't. Okay, think so. not connected to that series in any way. Yeah, it is. Pro fun. Boy says it got a seven from GI, so there you go. Some um, run, don't walk. It was in that early kind of period of like, well, especially for Xbox since it was a completely new system. But but like that early, like we just came out with a new system, so like the freaks can get more publicity <laughs> than they would normally. Right, and it was like, yeah, sure, I'll I'll buy a random weird not really a racing game and i don't even know what this this isn't an actual genre but it looks cool and it, technically it's impressive so i think there's definitely that avenue of like you just want demos especially right when you buy that new generation like right at the launch of the ps2 it's like i just wanted to see stuff running on my tv that i could not run anywhere else in the previous generation so like one of the most impactful demos genuinely top three demos of my life um is a game that i, I think i eventually bought and barely enjoyed but Dynasty Warriors 2, that demo uh, for PS2, like right at the launch, that blew my damn mind. Because like, wait, it can just be like what seems like hundreds of people on screen. And it's kind of, you know, this is before GTA 3. So it's like, this feels open world-ish enough for me being able to run around. And then I can also get on a horse and go anywhere in this battlefield. And there's like the map with the red and the blue on there and that guitar and the soundtrack is just wailing away as i'm running around like yeah dynasty warriors 2 blew my damn mind like kyle you seem you seem friendly to the dynasty warrior series i've well i've played a lot of muso games at this point i think i reviewed one of the dynasty warriors at some point um i but it's funny i had a, a very similar game which was the playstation 2 game shinobi Ooh. which was supposed to be like the reboot of, you know, the Genesis uh, Ninja game. Yeah. And uh, I loved that demo because you moved so fast and the sword play was so quick. And like uh, Shinobi, the big selling point, this is such a weird thing to be the selling point of the game, but he had this like huge scarf that would just like trail him for like what felt yep. like a mile. And I think I even read an interview with the developer somewhere where they said that that actually started as a mistake. They didn't mean to make the scarf that long, but they just liked it being as long as it was. So they just ended up keeping it in the game. But I would play that demo over and over and over. And then when I finally got the full game and sat down to play it and got through the first level, you know, that level that I had played dozens of times yeah. and started the game proper, I was like, oh, this is way too hard to be fun. Like I, I never made it like past the second level. I was like, I am not enjoying this at all. This is just brutal. It turned out what I really wanted was just that first level where everything is super easy and you can just slice through enemies like crazy. Yeah, just give it's me kind of like good, Dynasty Warriors. It's exactly yeah. Okay, Janet, I'm trying to figure out your timeline. You're a little bit younger than us, a little bit smarter than us, and you're in the N64 yeah. era. So I'm trying to figure out like your demo experience. It's a little sparse. Like I'm not gonna lie. Like I was talking to my brother about it, who's six years older than me. And I think he was probably where we got. We, I think we did have the MGS2 demo, mm, which is like okay. such a basic answer. But that's that's the one. It's the best. Well, the funny thing is hearing you be like, oh, I love Zone of the Enders. I was like, we weren't playing Zone of the Enders, though. It's like you just we just tossed Zone of the Enders in the trash. <laughs> you learned to love it. You could have learned to love Zone of the Enders, we, you know? Maybe. And I, and I don't even part of me is like, did we really even have that? Because we got also everything really late always. Like right. when I was a kid, it was always like a few years into the gen, like I got my SNES Junior. Like I got the SNES Junior. That was my first console. So it's like the that was when the um, N64 was already out, and they kind of put this weird shaped thing out, and we're right. like, maybe was that the smaller Super Nintendo. Mm-hmm. It was the Is one that that's the all, official it's all smooth. Name? The Junior. Yes, the 
Yes, the SNES Junior. Oh, I think I think I have one of those. I had no idea that's what that thing was called. I, but I now I'm afraid. All SNES. Now I'm afraid that it might not be. So someone Google it because everyone Ooh. in the comments from last week was like, "Oh, Jenna calls it Phantom no, of the Hourglass." It, and when I, I Google it, it, it comes up pretty quickly. Well, like it's it, so it says new style Super NES, but then in Japan it was called the Super Famicom Junior. Okay. So I think you can get away with it and be like, I- I'm a Famicom player, so that's what I have to call it. You can I'm cool. I-, yeah. I was unironically calling it also Phantom of the Hourglass for my entire life. I know. It's been like 20 years and no one's... <laughs> Everyone <laughs> no makes one's mistakes. Stopped. It doesn't come up that often, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> um, but demos are interesting because for me, like, I was definitely... My dip into game experience was just hitting up Blockbuster. Like, any game's a demo if you can't finish it fast enough. Right, right. <laughs> that's a good idea, yeah. Yeah. And the other thing that I was big on, too, was just having, like, you know, the weird, again, and since we're not having demos, like, I still have my original Hot News uh, 64, Insider's Guide to the N64, with hot tips, cool cheats, and yes. sneak peeks. Yes. So I wasn't playing the games. I was, like, watching this weird Oh, I watched those on commercial. Oh, yeah. I mean, that is, it. that was kind of Nintendo's way to get around. They're like, okay, we can't manufacture discs this cheap. How do we get these out there? And, like, yeah, I remember getting, like, the making of Donkey Kong Country in the mail. I'm like... I never subscribed to Nintendo Power. I have no idea how this started up my house, but it was so mind blowing. Oh, what? They just knew. It's, oh, it, it, it was like has... the ring tape. It just showed yes. up. And <laughs> yeah, everyone had to watch it. Naively put it in your VCR. So this is like my original one that my like my dad just kept for a lot of years, and I'm like, oh, I'll take this back for my shelf. And it still yeah. has like the little promotional slip inside that says, "Get into Kmart on October 13th to purchase Jet Force Gemini." Don Kong 64 presale yep. begins on October 31st, and then that that was like their big headliners for that but I, I would say my for demos nowadays like i'm much more modern like i think you know you asked for like top demo experiences and it's a lot of like the deep cuts or whatever like things from like 20 years ago for me i'm like resident evil like village was one mm. of my favorite like demo experiences like jumping into the resident evil games early and streaming them is always super fun to me because you can really not that i don't play it this way already but i feel like especially when it is a demo you're really trying to deep dive because in the modern era, they, they do demos so many different ways. Sometimes it's yeah. time limited. Sometimes it's, oh, it's only in this one area. And I remember it just being in that, that kind of opening area in like the foray of the house or whatever. And just really trying to milk everything out of it. And like, I'm going to try to 100% find all the content in here. And same for like Final Fantasy VII Remake. Like I did, I did the guide for that demo. Right, so I right, like right. combed over it like Whew. so thoroughly. And I think that's kind of what's fun about demos when they're like for bigger hit games that you kind of know you're going to buy. You can right. just be like a super fan and really dig into it man i forgot about that seven remake demo because i was too focused on the past too but it's like man i played that so many times like at trade shows and then when they released it i streamed it played through it again and again and again like that's really truly if i think about like the most impactful demo experiences that has to be up there well real quick uh, janet brought up village which made me think of the resident evil 7 uh demo yeah for it was called kitchen right or the kitchen well that was kind of like a test case was yeah. that known that it was a Resident Evil thing? When I don't first think started? so. I think it was like a cheeky okay. thing. And it was like Capcom using it to demo stuff because that was VR, right? But there was also one. Wasn't there also like a a seven demo? I'm not sure. Yeah, I guess I you might there be might right, have though. been. I'm sure. There might have been. I'm I'm sure. I don't like rem- fully remember. VR. Yeah. 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 But thinking about like the rise of demos and I think a couple weeks ago on the podcast, we're talking about like, why? Why does it feel like specifically? I think Japanese publishers and developers seem more open to doing demos and like what turned the tide culturally recently. And it's like, it was definitely a while ago, but it's like, is PT now just hall of fame demo material? And that had such an impact. So people are more open to it. I, 
I wasn't going to mention PT to see if we got through the entire conversation without mentioning <laughs> Oh, no, of course it comes up. <laughs> You're playing your own game off to the mind. side. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know if it's that or if it's just kind of a more traditional approach or if like if the development style is different, that it kind of facilitates making demos more than Western ones where everything we hear about Western developers is like you have to create a specific slice to get that out. And it's kind of like creating its own smaller game in order to right. get a demo out and working. And I don't know if. Or maybe maybe it's just the genres of games that it just kind of lend itself a little bit more to that than than like you can't make an open world RPG demo right very easily. Although I will say yeah. one of my favorite demos of all time, uh, truly truly top demo was uh, GTA 2's demo on PC. Like I was like, wait, I was just I obsessed you were with say something different. Oh no, but with that one at least, I was just thinking like, okay. I want to download as many free games as possible for my PC and the fact that I can play a slice of GTA 2. And so it was like the way I remember it, at least, is you could go around the entire quote unquote open world. I mean, it's a top down view for GTA 2, but then they would just put like a five minute timer on it. But like mm. that was enough. And I just remember going over to a friend's house like, well, we got to download that GTA 2 demo and just run that again and again and again. I want to find that banshee, see how far I can get, push the boundaries. So like, yeah, the open world demo is tough. I hear you. And so maybe that is a weird cultural barrier there. See, I, I thought you were going to say crackdown. Oh, sure. Like a fantastic demo because they sped up the progression in like like in this weird way where like you could get a fully leveled agent in the crackdown demo in the in the standard game. It would take you hours and hours. So uh, hang on. A strange approach. But like that demo was great. I played that over and over. So help me out. So crackdown had a great demo and then when you bought crackdown you also got the halo 3 beta which kind of felt like a demo so on both yeah. ends crackdown was just premiere demo content yeah i love that original crackdown i have a lot of uh um affection for that game play i remember playing the demo and and the main game as well like i know the joke is like oh yeah you got crackdown with your halo 3 beta but but damn it, I got Crackdown, and I was happy hey with man, it. Hey, man, we're happy again, yeah. Crackdown. <laughs> this is another one that I can't believe we haven't mentioned, but the Tony Hawk. Yes. How many times I played that in, you know, Target or Walmart or probably Kmart at that point. Oh. Um, yeah, that was that was a huge selling point. And that must have that must have also been on some kind of Xbox demo disc as well because i remember playing that more than my parents would have tolerated me standing in <laughs> in a you know toy store toys right. or whatever right so it would have been but, Tony Hawk but i don't know when it would have been although no that can't be right no. because the first tony hawk i played was n64 right and it was just one and two on there so but yeah I so mean, maybe xbox i did stand in the store for that long xbox yeah. had that weird tony hawk that like combined one and two right into one game mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, yeah, and maybe you had, maybe you played a demo of three or something like that. At some point. Yeah, I don't know. I I was already on board with Tony Hawk, so maybe I'm just misremembering how much how much time I played those demos in in the store. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean Tony Hawk's Pro Skater One Hall of Famer demo again. It's like I don't remember where it came from, but just playing that warehouse again and again and again, and then just having the one song of Goldfinger Superman like. I think I know it's kind of the cliche jokey song. If you're talking about Tony Hawk at this point, it's like, I think a big part of that. And I think they even talk about it in that documentary about the creation of those games. is just having that song in that demo and so many kids playing that demo endlessly. It's like, all right, that just became the 
default Tony Hawk Pro Skater 1 song is mm-hmm. Superman. You can't get away from it. But yeah, absolutely mind-blowing. I think that also felt like just a tech powerhouse of the PS1 playing that warehouse demo. It's so fun to explore. And you look back at it now, it's like, this is the smallest level in the world. But first time I was playing that, it's like, this feels huge. There's so many places I can do tricks. This is awesome. There's a secret part mm-hmm. over here. It's, it's just nonsense. I was going to say another another super old one, if you can listen to an, another old man rambling. We don't need but to. But all, all-time um, demos has to be Doom, right? Which, like, pretty much invented shareware at that point. That all was, right. like, the way that you could get it. Yeah, help me out. How did this work? Because... I, Doom was never on my radar as a kid. Um, it w- it was early internet days. It might have even been like dial-up BBS days, uh, which was which was a thing pre-internet era. Can you make but, the sound? It, but it was. <laughs> yeah, no, I can't. I can't make the sound. Um, but but yeah, I mean, it it was it was it was basically piracy back then but it was it was state sponsored piracy by right. the developer because they just put out the first you know little campaign that you could just download from various shady download places um and play through it and it's like man 90% of my doom memories were probably that first campaign you know like because everybody i think everybody played just the shareware version although obviously millions of people must have gone on to buy it because it became a huge hit, but okay. Help me out. Yeah. That it, campaign. That's like the first bunch of levels. I don't know. Doom. I don't know from doom. Yeah. Have you I, ever I think played doom? Were, I think now? I've dabbled a little bit like original doom. Have you played that Janet? Yeah. Really? Wow. You're cool. Yeah. Like Everybody it's fun. Has, Hanson. <laughs> I know. It, like, it, I don't it is know still, for sure it is still surprisingly it, fun. Yeah. There's no but way. But yeah, it's, what do you mean there's no way? There's you no way you know, beat the you original know my life, Janet, we've talked was, about this a thousand If you're not sure if you beat something, there's no way you beat it. Especially if it's something as old and janky as Doom. Well, I, I, oh, Doom's not janky. You bite your tongue. Like, now okay. you're playing Goldeneye, you're saying Doom's janky? No, <laughs> well, that thing runs look, super man. well. It is challenging. But yeah, oh yeah, it's also on Switch for like five bucks. Like, that's okay. Pass, which I, have, I bought it again on Switch too. Like, Doom's classic. It's classic fun of you're shooting demons and you're looking for cards. There's nothing <laughs> I mean, not to the, like, Hanson. The, yeah. There's a reason that like the 28 remake or whatever, it was like, 16. oh man, this is a new style of first person shooter. And it's like their, their design for that was go back and do it like the old days and make it, you know, as fast as the old days and that kind of, um, you know, design idea. But yeah, it, it was like, it was like, I think the main game was split into like three or four campaigns. Each one was, you know, six or eight levels or something like that. Right. Natron B said he got a copy of Wolfenstein 3D um, on a floppy from a pharmacy. So I'm, wow. I'm sure they they probably they probably had floppy disk versions back then too. What an era! So. Just tossing around. I love that. Uh, Kyle, do you have more that we haven't hit yet? Uh, yeah, Parappa the Rapper. Yep, it's huge. Like a big PlayStation One demo for me, just because it was like. The fun of that game was so quick and obvious and it was so strange. Yep. Like that was when I remember like I had a friend who his whole family would play that demo, even though like his parents like didn't play video games at all. But like you can't see that game and it kind of it it will get your attention. Yeah. It's just like, what is this? We just like onions. Yeah. Kyle, that Parappa song forever ingrained in my head. Like I've been thinking about that a lot of just going through the different demo discs for the PS1 and like. Parappa for me was on the demo and it's called the interactive CD sampler disc volume five, 
but they had all these different volumes going through with all these different ones. But like that one was a magical one because it had Parappa, had Armored Core, Cool Borders 2, Star Wars Masters of Terracossi. Terracossi, uh, yeah. Crash Bandicoot Tomb 2 Raider? was on there. Yes, Intelligent Cube, Jet Moto. Like it was, it had so much good stuff. And then genuinely one of my favorite demos of all time was, yeah, Tomb Raider 2 was right. on there, which was absolutely mind-blowing because it's like in that, I don't even remember where it is in the, final game but it was just like the cave where there's a little pool of water and there's a tiger that comes out and then you kind of yep, kill yep, the tiger yep. and then you can climb up the rocks to get out of that cave area and like just that little area i put more time in that than i did in breath of the wild i swear to god like that was just <laughs> my entire being as a kid it's like this game rules and it feels like you can explore even though again it was like one tiny crack that you shimmy along and that's the extent of it but it was so fun to shoot that tiger again and again and again if you want to be a cruel monster about it i guess (laughs) the cadence or like the vibes around demos are just so different now in the modern era with having so much more access to like free games games in general discussing games like again growing up and I, I know it depends on your like friend circles and stuff but i didn't actually have any like almost any friends that played video games i just had like my brother and that was like it you know my school was pretty small so it was, there was like 30 60 kids and like i don't know i don't think they were scoring up like that like on a console right. like, i had one friend that had an xbox and i played a little of halo i'm like i'm gonna play halo because like i heard that's what the xbox is all about and then we just played outside after you know it's like the vibes <laughs> were totally different um so i think now there's the use cases are a lot more of you know, jumping into a game that you are excited about just to, like, see what's there. Maybe the progress carries over. Um, sometimes people, like, do it just to try... If they're on the fence, I feel like it's the other big reason people do demos. But the third and, like, most exciting thing to me is when you kind of either make it an event or it literally is an event. So I finally did Steam Next Fest this year, which is just Steam's digital showcase of, a, they're like, hey, we have a bunch of demos that we're sort of looping all together, like 80 or 150 come through and play them it's like a little bit over a weekend and i've never done it because i'm like that's just it's too much like i don't know what to do but so if i did this year i'm like okay i'm gonna set aside like eight to twelve hours it's gonna be like a digital convention like instead of having to stand in line and like clean my hands a bunch i can just tab (laughs) over and we're just you know living it and i had a lot of fun doing that and like checking out games that i hadn't even heard about that could be you know on my radar radar now um as well as stuff that like is kind of at the forefront of people's minds like if you're in the indie scene like plan of lana was like super fun to check out like shumi come home was like a really cute game where you play as like a mushroom and kyle there's a glider so little leaf glider obviously top of the list um (laughs) but for me like my probably my favorite demo experience like in person would be pax west with potion craft because that's a tiny build published game and if you were at pax west this past year their whole like theme area was like super cool and it was all carnival based. Like they really dedicate to like the carnival thing, everything lights and funky, like, you know, stuff where you can like hit, hit the punching bag and see what you get and you get a prize. And then there was Potion Craft, which is also a tiny build game, but they had like an alchemist tent with like tea and it was like they had like, pillows on the ground. And I'm like, it is so clear that like, Someone either like from Tiny Build or from Nice Play Games, which is the developer of Potion Craft, was like, what if we just did our own thing for no reason other than the fact that it fits the game's theme better, obviously. But it was just so cool because they really like committed to this is a cozy game. We're going to have cozy vibes. Um, and it's if you're playing on PC, it very much is a point and click game. Like you only need a mouse. So they just gave you like a one of those little tables that you have if you like. 
I don't know, you're a psychopath and you play PC games on your sofa and you need like the tray right, or something. Right. They they just gave you that in a mouse and then they were just like, oh yeah, just play. And then it was like super simple, super chill. And it was like some of the most fun I've had physically playing a game outside of something that, I don't know, has, um, you know, VR or additional peripherals because they just really right. set an environment, which I feel like is a cool aspect of if you're hitting the demo scene in the convention sense, that's like a layer that you just really, really can't replicate on your own. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting to think of, like, those unique situations. Like, you know, one of the most impactful demos, if I'm thinking about, like, those press demos and whatnot is, and this is so unbelievably specific, but in Tokyo, going to an art museum with Mark McDonald, and I think he was, was he full-time at Enhanced Games at the time, or he's, I don't know, working with them, but getting a demo of Res Infinite in VR, but it was at the top of this art museum in Tokyo, and then it was like that situation where Mizuguchi was there and they put on like the full vibration suit. Ooh. So you're strapped into this full vibration suit with like this beautiful glass window overlooking all of Tokyo at night. And also there's a crowd of like, I don't know, 20 people watching you as you like stand up in the middle of the room with this vibration suit and play res. Like, okay, this, it feels like I'm in Japan now. The Japan I always <laughs> dreamed of going into in my mind, you know? Uh, so was- I had just a quick uh, demo, which is quite, actually quite a bit different for, from you guys because it was so there was like nothing outside of the game. But um, I at a PAX, I one of the, like my last appointments of the day was for um, Shadow of Mordor. I, I don't really care about Lord of the Rings. I, I've heard this game's pretty cool. I'm, I'm going to put it on my appointment queue to check it out. And the way the timing worked, like it was just like this booth and the show was closing. And they were like, look, just hang out here for a little... Like, you can hang out after they close. We'll help you get out. You can just play this game for a while. And, like, I got so absorbed into that thing. I couldn't, like... (laughs) It it was like lights turning out in the convention hall that I realized that I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, I need to leave. Like, I just, like, had gotten so sucked into this thing that I had no expectations for and did not think I would even care about. And I was... It was, like, it was crazy. Like, I, it, like it just, like, the world disappeared around me while I was playing Shadow of uh, Mordor. It was wild. Did you enjoy the game that much when it came out? Yeah. No, it was it was my game of the year, I think, that that when it, that, that year. Was it 20, 2014? Yep, 2014, yeah. Yeah, which is funny because, like, I don't really engage with any other Lord of the Rings content. Not even the sequel. <laughs> but that game, I, for some reason, it really clicked with me. I really loved weird. it. Weird. Time and place, I guess, yeah. Uh, shout outs to other Hall of Fame demos that we missed. I mean, Metal Gear Solid 2, I feel like we glossed over it, but the, the tech in there, the ice cubes melting, everything in that demo was just incredible. Um, also, just the way it uh, goes alongside the the larger game later. Right. I feel like is relevant and interesting to like the themes and ideas of that game is the fact that that demo existed sort of standalone before the game even came out. It, and, it, and it changed everyone's sort of what they thought the game was going to be and how they ended up playing the game. I it's, it was so smart. Well, that's interesting. Uh, I wonder turns if people... out Kojima's good at demos between PT and Metal Gear Solid two and even ground zeros. Hell yeah. Guy, guy's good at letting you, you play just a game make early. Demos. Yeah. Well, I mean, I wonder if the popularity of Metal Gear Solid two's demo did end up hurting a little bit for all the people that were so mad about the ride and switch. Cause like, bro, we played your game a lot and it rules. And then you gave us the full game and it wasn't that like if the actual game came out mm-hmm. and the tanker section was just a couple hours and then it shifts it up. Like that's different from spending probably dozens of hours in the tanker section just with that demo on loop, you know, but no one's mad about that anymore. Right. Everyone mm-hmm. recognizes the importance of that and why it was so great. Well, what's now, nice. Yeah. Right? It just took a long time. Yep. Everyone who is angry about Raiden 
and everybody who's angry about the Wind Waker art style, do you remember that day on our calendars where we threw them all in a volcano? We just collectively agreed as a society just to get yeah, rid Last of Jedi is like next in line. Like we'll push that into the volcano. Yeah, yeah. We'll this all recognize so it as like the Ryan. classic it is soon enough. <laughs> I'm being honest. I wasn't mad at the Switch. Like I didn't feel betrayed, but right. I didn't like Raiden. Like Raiden was like. But he's supposed to appeal you know, to women. That was the entire pitch. Whoa, whoa, oh, that guy. Yeah, a like punk? I just, no. I just. What, what do you think about when you're defusing the bombs? I don't think about anything. Do you think about me? Oh, shut up. This story part sucks. <laughs> well, look, no, he sucks in Metal Gear Solid 2, but he can do a lot of cool moves in Metal Gear Solid 4, so therefore he's okay yeah, with that's me. Yeah, that's the it's thing. Also, it's like, okay, it's this guy, also this guy a way to see Snake from a new perspective. You know, there's more to it than that. I will yeah. say, you know, as a child, the some of those nuances were definitely lost on me, as you one could imagine. I was like, this guy's kind of like a little punk. Yep, like, no, that's it. That's the correct thing. Um, shout out as well. Uh, demos that blew my mind in PS2. The Kyle's era. It's like frequency. Wouldn't have found that without a demo. That was absolutely mind-blowing. Um, and then a huge one. And this is one that's... This is a real badge of honor for me. I'm not a smart person, but it's like, you know what? I knew this at, that early. But the demo for Eco. I had a demo for Eco really early on with the PS2. And like... None of my friends were into it, and I was the only one that was screaming, like, are you seeing these animations? Look at this animation of, like, tugging somebody when you're holding their hand. Like, this stuff has never been done before. And I was like, eh, it's a boring game with the windmill. I don't know, man. It's like, and now I've been yeah, fully... There's a Colossus demo, too, that came really? on, like, a single disc um, that just let you fight the first Colossus. Oh, yeah. that's perfect. That's all you need. Yeah, yeah it's hook, line, and sinker, man. And um, God of War got a demo like that as well. I don't know if you could beat the first boss, but you could play a good, a good chunk of that first level. Hmm. Good stuff. Um, give us, uh, let us know what demos stood out for you in the comments uh, if you're over here on YouTube. Uh, also, I'm curious about demos that are out there now for upcoming games that are kind of under the radar. That's a sweet spot. So let us know in the comments demos that are available now for upcoming games that people just aren't paying attention. Like I asked on Twitter and I got a lot of good recommendations where it's like, oh, that's right. There's a Sea of Stars demo that's available now on Switch. I haven't checked that out yet, but that's available for everybody. That's that... Game Boy Advance, Super Nintendo-ish um, RPG, Gunbrella, a game that Janet, I know you're really excited about. Oh, uh, yeah, that's real good. Yeah, there's a demo available for that. Thirsty oh, Suitors. there's a Gunbrella demo. Yeah, yeah. See, this is working. See, there's a Thirsty Suitors demo out there people are excited about. Terra Nil, which I think is kind of that sim game that seemed cool where you're getting rid of civilization. I forget what Devolver, the hook is. Devolver, right? Also, that's I think like their... So. Everything else is like boom, boom, pow, Angerfoot, and then they have Terra Nil. Right, right, but that demo's <laughs> out there. I love Devolver Digital, but it definitely is... In a nice way, Terranel definitely does feel like a deviation from what you tend to associate with the portfolio with yeah. in terms of the tone and the vibes. For sure. Um, and then Dredge uh, has a demo out there now, which people are quite hot on. It's the kind of um, horror-ish fishing game. I haven't dug into it too much, but I know that Sarah was really looking forward to it and stuff. So that, that's out there too. But let us know what we're missing for, for big demos that are still technically available now. Uh, all right. Enough of this demo. Let's get to the full thing. You can use a demo as a gateway, but once you walk through that gateway, you find the full majesty of the game that is called Wolong Fallen Dynasty from Team Ninja. Um, Kyle, how much have you played of this thing? I think I'm like three quarters through. Okay. I, I'm stuck on Lubu right now. Me and Lubu are button heads. It's tough. Oh, Lubu, my Dynasty Warriors boy. That's right, Mr. Dynasty Warriors. It all interconnects. Uh, you seem to be the hottest on this thing. Yeah, I really like it. I, it snuck up on me. I didn't. I wasn't really paying attention to it, but um, the moment I saw it being played, I I didn't realize how Sekiro it was. 
Right. It is very Sekiro, and Sekiro is second only to Elden Ring in terms of my favorite from software games. It made me drop everything. It's one of those games where I was like dabbling in a lot of things. I think right. I was playing Atomic Heart and a couple other things, and I got past the first boss, which was tough. And I was like, "Oh, this is this is all I'm going to be playing for a while. Um, this is this is deleted everything else <laughs> for the moment." You know? Yeah, I feel like you're at least maybe when we're talking about Elden Ring and stuff, and maybe in the past you've slowly grown into more and more of a Soulsborne person. Or before you're like, "Look, I'm just a tourist. I dabble. <laughs> I play with other people. It's pretty lighthearted. I eventually get through them." Yeah. And now you're full on to the point of like, "Okay." Bolong Fallen Dynasty, it kind of has a lot of Soulsborne DNA, and now you're hook, line, and sinker because it just reminds you of a from well, software game that you like. I mean, it's not that it's like, oh, I, I, I like this because it reminds me of that other game I like. I like it because the counter system is so fun. Mm. It's so mm. fun to every enemy can be countered, and it leads to a cool animation, and it's super satisfying to pull off those counters. You, um, and it hurts you when even- you don't. Yeah, you might even say that's the most important part of the game and that mm-hmm. you can't play the game if you're not doing those counters. Did you uh, not yeah, learn probably. to do the counters correctly, Jeff, or are you just bad at them? Uh, no, I I didn't I didn't understand the importance of it. That that first boss fight, which whoever whoever decided to put a second phase on your first boss fight when you <laughs> when you've hardly learned I'm, any I'm so tired of that trope. Like it was so I, it, as soon as I got to the first phase I'm like don't tell me this is second phase. Oh, yeah. And they're like, oh, it's of course, because this whole game. Like, why don't, why don't be different? Like, why do you, all y'all got to have two phases? It's fine for second half of your game, but, you know, they're just trying to show that they can do it, too, that they got this much flexibility, it, you know? That no, is, I don't, not, that I don't, is, I don't, I don't, no spoilers, but I don't think I've encountered any other boss in the game with a second phase. That's, that's so, so weird. Yes. <laughs> and, and, and Hanson, I, I think you hit the nail on the head, and, the, and it, it's my biggest criticism of the game is... That idea of like, to me, it, it, like, I, I, this, this is the same problem that I had last, last week with, um, what was it? I want to say Horizon Forbidden West. Forbidden West, yeah. No, no, no. The, the other game. Scars Above or something? Scars Above, yes. I don't know, Astro Rising. Um, (laughs) but, but it's that idea of like, you can take the Souls formula, you can copy the bulk of it. And it's gonna work for a lot of for a lot of games like mm-hmm. that. The that it's a very robust kind of system, especially when you copy it one to one with so with so. Much. I'm I'm mm. blown away by just like how much they have taken every single like mechanism and copied them over to to the point where like even the the way that they symbolize the gestures looks straight out of a Souls game. Like it it so so they copy the main formula, but but the problem that I have with other with other developers doing it is you miss you miss a lot of the other things that from software is just masters at like yeah like the level design the balancing and the the one that sticks out with me with low long is it feels like you know there's there's always been the get good attitude around souls games but that's always been from the community and it when i and when i play from software games it doesn't feel like the developers have that mentality i think those games mm. are actually a lot more forgiving in a way but or or just like focused on getting you to learn from your mistakes and and getting you to overcome games and i feel like this game was designed by people who had a get good mentality and especially with that first boss battle of being like oh yeah we're just we're even harder than dark souls and it's like yeah i think that is the hardest 
I, I think that first boss battle is harder than any battles I've had in a Souls game, but not in a street cred kind of way. In like a, you f***ed up the balance of this, and you should have known that this was a bad this was a bad choice for an opening boss battle. And and it's and like since that point, I have learned how to play the game that that you really have to play in order to get it. And you I, could argue and I that maybe that first bot taught you. No, it didn't. The oh. the freaking YouTube video that I had to watch, the guide, the guides that I had to go online and find told me the like like the number one thing in this game is waiting waiting until a boss does a critical attack, deflecting that attack, hitting him a couple times in order to stun him and then using that specific spirit attack to do like a huge amount of damage hmm. and like that's your that's your I mean, strategy for like 90% of the game. Yeah, difficulty is so subjective and it's funny to hear you say that because I actually find this a lot easier than not a lot. A lot is not the right term. I find it easier than from and Sekiro in general. And I think that first boss is tough. And the first boss is always tough in like this genre. Like I would the first boss is usually the toughest. But the thing that like really clicked with me with that boss was like it does teach like at, and again, totally subjective and like I I'm not saying you did it wrong. I just I just had a different like experience with it obviously. Mm-hmm. But like that just taught me that counters are the way to do it, right? Like that's just like if you're just trying to hit him with the sword it's not going to work. And I I hit my head against that wall for a while and then I was like, "Well, let me just focus on counters." And that helped me get through it, you know, and it's like everyone was is going to come at it from a different direction that way. But like, yeah. I do generally find it easier than Sekiro. Uh, yeah, Sekiro is is one of the ones that I haven't played as much. Mm-hmm. And I know the the pacing on that one was different from most from most um, from games. That That's another thing of like this. Most of the Souls games are pretty are slower paced in terms of the combat, which I think is a little more forgiving yeah, for me. Yeah. Um, and, and this one, the, the speed of combat is a little too much for my, my reflexes at, at this point. Um, but, but I do agree that like, once you understand the importance of deflections, I think, I think they have a, a much more generous window in pulling off deflections than a lot of games. If, if the deflection is, which it is comparable to parries in other games. Like I can never pull off parries. In no, games. Same. and this no. one, this one, it's like, it's it's pretty consistent. It's like I'll pull it off. You know, if if I understand the timing window of the attack that's happening, it's like a ninety percent success rate, which mm-hmm. I really appreciate. I think like jumping to where you guys are, and then we can like kind of zoom out back and talk about more of the general mechanics and how they like are the same, but a little bit different from, I think, what you'd expect from a Souls game. Again, my background is I, I beat Demon Souls very much with a lot of help and a lot of guides and, like, rolling my way to get the <laughs> fancy sword and, like, the third level and all this other stuff. Uh, played a little bit of Elden Ring, bounced off of that, kept hate re-downloading it, deleting it. It's a whole toxic <laughs> thing. Uh, so, of course, you know, y'all know I had to pick this one up. And everyone's like, don't do it, Jay. And I'm like, it's too late. It's too late. <laughs> um, but genuinely, so many people, when I was mentioning, oh, I'm going to stream this, they're like, oh, you don't like parries, you're going to hate this game. Like, it's literally going to be awful for you. And I'm like, well, let's find out together uh, for content. Oh boy. So after I made my character for the first hour of the game, uh, right, as one does, yeah. um, I went into it, and honestly, I felt like it was far more approachable than I expected it to be. Again, to Kyle's point, difficulty is very subjective. But a number of things made it feel, at least that initial experience, manageable. And it's, I think the fact that you get, like, a lot of, or I feel like a good amount of heals, 
off the gate like i was able to heal easily the save points three i think right yeah yeah and the the checkpoint slash save points basically the equivalent of i guess like the fire or whatever is kind of coming at you pretty regularly in that first opening area and you start out with a companion who also does attacks uh and i heard that like throughout the story you like lose them and meet different ones like again i don't know the narrative so i can't even spoil anything if i wanted to pretty much always have someone with you that's nice yeah yeah so i really like that aspect of it um and also because it is a little bit quicker which again that's not new to souls there's bloodborne there's sakura but it makes it like a little bit i think more familiar if you're not used to playing souls games because most games don't move as slow as like a traditional souls game would move so it feels a lot more akin to okay if you've gone in a game and you've walked up and killed like npc enemies you probably generally know what to do here even if you're not that good at the nuances of the combat um and then get into that first boss i have not beaten the first boss i probably could if i maybe had another hour or two because for me my number one beef is i just can't i'm having a hard time reading the movements in that second phase because the first phase i'm rocking it like pro gamer style like mm-hmm. once i got the parries down which didn't take me long at all like i went in and i kind of just was like fumbling around and everyone's like like yeah i know you don't want to hear it but you're gonna have to parry and i'm like all right let's try it <laughs> and then i kind of like kicked ass for a little bit i'm like okay cool manageable got through the first phase my number one beef with that boss um besides the fact that i'm not a big fan of two-phase bosses especially in games like this that are difficult because like anything you get stuck at in a video game this is my experience is you need to practice to get better at it. But when it's something where you have to also do a lot of work to get to the part where you have to practice, I find right. it really hard yeah. to yeah. even get good enough to do it. Like, I'd rather you let me do phase two and have it not count. Like, if it's that deep for you, like, I just need the reps. Um, the first time I got to it, though, I would have won the whole thing. And this is my number one bitter point in this game so far. But I missed off to the left, it said press Y. I'm gonna play on Xbox. Plus Y and B to unleash your like spirit attack. And if you do that, you're done. But guess what? Even though chat told me, hey, there's gonna be like, an audio line after that. There's gonna be a thing on screen that tells you to like mash this button and then you're done. I never saw it. And like I look over at chat once I die, and they're like, now, now, now's the time. And I'm oh, like, I don't no, know, y'all need to feeling. shoot with the bits or something because I couldn't hear you. I was <laughs> locked in. Uh-huh. A hundred percent. I just think that's silly. Like, that's so silly to have like a boom, you're done and not like slow down. Not pu- like, right. right it just right. seems like you gave me a way out, but then you made it like really hard to use the way out. Yeah. And it just feels like an F you to me personally. Again, taking it personal, but that is what it is. Yeah. My, my, my largest gripe with that first boss fight is that the second phase of that is completely different because you're, you're not even trying to beat him at that point. You're just trying to fill up that bar which they don't really tell you. I mean, there's like a line of dialogue from the from the NPC that's with you at that point, and it's like, you don't understand the panic mode that I'm in when I got to, you know, Beast Man, all his moves are different, I have no health or whatever, and you're going to be like, hey, keep keep on fighting and I'll give you the power to beat him or whatever. Right, right, right. And, and so even after I checked, I watched some videos to tell me what to do, and I got to that, I got to that, freaking point <laughs> and and yeah they they give you a little they put a little symbol on on the side of your screen that's like this is your power when that thing fills up i didn't notice oh, and that the, the amulet the, glows if you notice someone told me that i didn't yeah. notice okay, that. Right. i didn't see the amulet glowing okay i'm staring at the giant monster that's that's fighting me but and so and so then i was like okay great now i understand how it works the place that they put that goddamn symbol is <laughs> is net is next to your two martial arts icons and they, they form a little triangle 
And and the thing that the thing that tripped me up is the way that they're they're you know it's it's like north, west, and east, and it's the east spot. The north spot to do that one, you hold in you hold in the right shoulder button and you press triangle. The left one, you hold in the right button and you press square, just like it's laid out in every single action game. So like when I got to that point, it was like all right, it's full R one and circle baby, and it did nothing, and I. I don't think I've panicked like that in a game <laughs> in like the last hold on, hold on, since hold on, hold on. I was a kid because because I was like I'm pressing I'm like no I'm I'm pressing the oh, circle button no. I try and pause it I can see that the monster is still coming at me because you can't pause in a Souls game no you can't pause, pause but you got to yeah. double pause which is yeah. a little annoying and I wish they did a little but I'm glad what you is, can pause what you, is a double pause so you okay so I'm on Xbox so I don't know where it is on PlayStation probably same buttons but y'all can figure it out right so on Xbox you press like the hamburger menu like the three lines and that brings up the screen but like stuff's still happening then you press like that windowy button on the left and it does say that on the bottom of like the ui of that screen but again that's you kind of have to like notice that or have someone tell you and you're oh, not going to do it yeah figuring it out in the middle of a boss is not and i would do that a lot and i'm like i know chat's gonna roast me be like you're breaking your momentum so i'm like i need a second i just need you know to like so mm-hmm. i'll go the first phase and i'll like hot hit the pause thing because i have like you know i got a lot to unpack and i'm not ready to unpack it to beat this game so it's like i just got to work through it but um jeff and to your point because i'm kind of in between like you and kyle like i'm not as hot on it as kyle is i'm not as mad as jeff is i think i've been through (laughs) so many more darker parts that i'm like this is a tuesday for me you know but yeah as far as the tutorialization though i will say i think this tutorialization is Better than I would expect for something that's in the Souls-like genre. And again, okay. people might get mad. You might easy, feel some other way. Easy. It has some, which is nice. When, easy. I, yes, when I played Elden Ring, they didn't patch in the tutorial thing. Uh-huh. And, oh, you didn't know to go down the hole? No, because every video game since Mario 1-1 told me not to go down the freaking hole of mystery. <laughs> anyway, we're not here to drag Elden Ring. That was for other content. My point is, I was surprised to see that, while I think they could still use more, and like I had a lot of the same struggles that Jeffem had with feeling like I wasn't told how to do certain things or have things spelled out enough for me to understand it. Like even the meter is like for me, my number one challenge with this game is there's just so much happening in terms of the UI that I just can't find myself able to take in like, well, is this his meter and my meter? And then these, like, I kind of know how what to do, but I don't really know why I'm doing it. So I think I'm still sure. struggling with some of those base concepts. But one thing that's cool is you can go to like the little save flag thing in the game and go to like a whole tutorial section even where they teach you like a bunch of stuff how to like equip different um you know like swords or like weapons and again some of this stuff does sound basic to i think some people who are more familiar with the style of game but just having all of that having a way to practice that parry having a way to practice distance stuff how to like it teaches you all the base mechanics and i feel like there's a rich enough system that has a stylish look to it, but also has a level of approachability that I think they really do have something here. But I do have a couple of beasts with like trying to fully grasp what they're giving me and also be able to execute sure. it in that kind of exam setting of that second phase of the boss. Yeah, but, I'm um, sure it's just if you spend yeah. more time with it, it kind of you'd get more comfortable with it and whatnot. Like, it kinda, yeah, of course, yeah. I, it's 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 not fair to Wo Long. They know what they're doing, but it's also not fair to be like, well, Soulsborne, Soulsborne, blah blah blah, blah from software, blah blah blah. But it, do you like it just because it feels like? Well, what about it is compelling more than just it reminds me of Sekiro, which I liked a lot. I feel like you're dismissing that. Like it's not yeah. that it's like it reminds me of something I like. It's that I like the counter. I like countering. Right. I like I like how the system works. I like how fast it is. It's not if it. 
the, the Sekiro is just a point of reference. Like sure. if, yeah. if if Neo is like their Dark Souls answer, yeah. this is their Sekiro answer. Yeah. And um, okay, so some of the other things I really like about the game because um, I like the combat, I like the the countering system. Uh, it also, which is when I play these games, I'm the kind of person that likes to run around and clear everybody out because you get experience and it right. just feels good to have an empty uh, place, right? This actually rewards you for doing that a lot because a you know you get experience. And then as you explore and you find the places to plant your flags, it raises this rating. And the higher that rating is, the less damage you take from the boss. So if you take your time and find all the places to plant your flags and kill a lot of enemies, like you get experience and stuff, but you also are better equipped to take on the boss. That's cool. And I like I like that system and how rewarding it is because it like it because like I don't really like the loot system. I'm not really that interested in loot in any game. I have literally been using the starting weapon and just been upgrading it, and I'm like 75% through the game, and I'm totally happy with that. Yeah. Um, so I don't really get a lot out of exploring and finding items, but I like that I'm stronger just by exploring. I think that's such a cool, simple idea. And it and it also, like, bricks, it is, like, it makes it, it encourages you, this is how I play these kinds of games, you know, is like that, before that first boss, I do a ton of laps, and I get, I try to get over-leveled because that first boss is always going to be difficult, and this game, other uh, outside of allowing me to, like, level up by doing that, it also just made the boss, like, do less damage to me, and I just think that's really cool, I love that idea. Yeah, that's nice. Yeah, I like that system as well, I like that you are... When you put down the flags, you're locking in that level, like like the minimum for that level, and that you can actually, like if if a if a boss is giving you a hard time, you can because the the second boss, the monkey boss, I had just as much trouble with because I still hadn't I hadn't fully learned. You, you got to run some laps, dude. I, I, go kill I, some. <laughs> I, I I do want to say that I am I am very much enjoying the game. Oh, nice. I, I don't I don't think I made that. That clear you with my also like have you noticed that you've turned into me, Jeff? Um, it's so funny complaints. seeing it from the outside where I'm like, yep, and everyone's giving. You're like three episodes away from Jeff. Um, just hates games. I don't know. Jeff is so nit. Like, anyway, but you mean because yeah. he, he launches into a bunch of nitpicky things and then says, "By the way, I enjoy it." Is that the is yeah. that the oh. There is a learning curve to it, and I think you have to you have to learn the way that Absolutely. they want you to play. But but yeah, I I do like I do like that core loop system, and I do really like. That ultimately it's all based on countering, and it it in a weird way it reminds me of like Team Ninja's roots of Dead or Alive, where Dead or Alive was very much mm. a copy of Tekken. But the one thing that the one thing that set Dead or Alive apart, besides you Say know the it. obvious okay the Jeff obvious um. booby stuff, okay, yes, Jeff, but. Um. But the mm-hmm. gameplay wise, the thing that set Dead or Alive apart was that counters were much easier in those games. Like the window for doing a counter huh. was always so much easier. And it feels like they have kind of just continued to carry that mentality for I don't know what it is about combat that they like that idea of like I'm going to wait until you attack and I'm gonna counter your ass on it. Jeff, I'm you're <laughs> blowing my mind a little bit because the only this is insane, maybe other than Smash Brothers, but the only fighting game that I've ever truly gotten into is Dead or Alive 4. And one <laughs> of the reasons why, it, because I had it in my college dorm and I had roommates yeah. to play with all the time and stuff, but it was because of that counter system in Dead or mm-hmm. Alive that I it is really satisfying if someone is throwing a combo at you and you just grab their arm and like stop it in their tracks and then you get in a few hits. Like It feels yeah. so good and to translate right. it into an action game is awesome. 
if you can see something coming, the the ability to be able to pull off a counter to it. It's like, I know what you're doing and I don't have to, it's, I'm not missing a three frame window because I can't, I can't hit the buttons fast enough. That's, that is partially why I, why Dark Souls has clicked for me so much more than a lot of games because they do it by slowing down the combat. So that makes it easier to like dodge attacks as they're incoming. But I do like, I do like the deflection system in this. I like a lot of the original systems that they put into it on top of the dark souls systems. And the last, last boss that I fought last night was like the big mutant goat headed tentacle guy oh, in yeah, the forest. I got stuck on that one for a while. A-O, he, A-Y-O-E he, or he kicked my ass like three times. And then I just used the magic, you know, stone statue thing or whatever called it a rando from the internet. He walked me through the fight and it's, wow. that's always such a nice fallback of like, yeah, I just don't want to do this. It's, it's the Indiana Jones revolver thing of yep. like, I'm, I get it. I'm done with this one. Thank you. Let's move on. And so <laughs> I'm, really yeah, I, I'm having a lot of fun with it. It's, it, it is a great game on its own. It, you know, it feels different enough. It's just there. You got to put in the work, and you got to you got to learn to play it the way that they want. And you it's to. not quite comparable to pulling in an expert, like like you said here. But you do have those like animal attacks that we talked about earlier that you can sort of charge up, and like to basically have that as like a single use rocket launcher when you finally got the boss down to like twenty five percent is like really great. And and the nice thing about that is that it seems to, unless I'm mistaken, but it seems like it builds in between deaths as well. Like, I, ooh, like, there, yeah. like there have been times, unless I'm completely insane, where I've, I have, I have continued going back into the same boss fight without it being fill. And then at some point it, it has filled up within a span that's shorter than well, I would expect. So I think what it is, is you're doing attacks on the boss and that is filling the meter and then it retains between uh, some, <laughs> in some of those fights. I have not been doing a lot of, okay, okay, but I, I, yeah, I'm, I might be wrong about that, but there. There are ways that they that they have kind of built in some more forgiving mechanisms. It's just that core idea I did not understand. And also when I was deflecting the boss early on, I was like, okay, I've deflected you. Now I'm just going to go in with a flurry of attacks because you're just kind of sitting there. And it's like, no, you got to do the you got to do the backstab uh, attack from from Dark Souls games, like the one that does a, a ton of damage. The big old I, lunge thing. And yeah. I, yeah, I was I was ignoring that in my in my earlier playthroughs. That happens. Uh, Wo Long Fallen Dynasty, everybody. Um, Kyle, you're locked in. You're good to go. You're finishing the sucker. I think so. Yeah. yeah. Unless I hit like a a wall, but I, I've I've invested time at this point. Like I want to see it to the end. I, yeah. I really like it a lot. I think like it is definitely like a surprise early. Like oh, this is one of my favorites. Like there's a good chance this shows up on my top ten at the end of the year. Kind oh, of I thought you were going to say it's number one at the end of the year. Well, I'm not ready to commit to that yet. Okay. All right. The way you're talking about it, it, it felt like a lot. I'm sure we'll, I'm sure we'll beat Breath of the Wild 2 for you. I would have to imagine. <laughs> so when you go to like level up and everything, you have your chi, which is basically souls that you use to level up. You have four virtues uh, or five virtues that you can level up. And you, ha- you have a level, but you also have like the morale, the moral morale level. And then one of those can go down as you die or something. Like, can, so can morale, one of you clarify... Yeah that aspect because i know you talked about a little bit with oh it sort of locks you into this level when you plant the flag but just because i had a little bit of confusion on that and i feel like it just speaks to the core kind of flow of the game in terms of grounding and progression so 
So morale is the one that fluctuates. Um, Your level won't be affected ever, like the level of your character. But morale will rise and fall depending on how how well you're doing in the level. So what I'm talking about is like when you run around and find all the places to plant your flags and kill lots of enemies, you're raising the morale level, which makes you uh, take less damage against the boss. Um, and every and everything kind of affects it. Like if you if you're just killing enemies, your morale is going to go up. If enemies are hitting you a lot, it's going to go down. The goal is to just kind of keep it up high, and planting flags will lock it into position so it doesn't drop any lower than it already has. Funky, you got it, Janet. Funny. You ready to beat yes. this thing now? Mm, probably not. It's <laughs> okay. just still not my type of game, so yeah, I don't know yeah, if yeah. I want to do it. But I will say it was way more approachable than I expected. Yeah. So if you're on the fence, like. I found it fairly manageable, especially without someone just literally walking. Like when I played Demon Souls, someone literally had to say like, okay, and then you turn this corner and then you do this and then do this 12 more times. And then there's something made of goo. And Uh it was a whole thing. Like, I feel like you can really pick this up and just play it with the information you're given and do pretty well in it. Also, I like the verticality of you can stab people from the top and that's super cool. And the animations are beautiful in this game, even though the graphics are fine. Yeah, yeah. I I guess we we did mention that I, at least for me, I feel like the levels are much easier than yeah the bosses at the end of the levels. Like I I don't die a ton during actual levels. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. almost always at the bosses, and the, and there there is always a flag like almost immediately at the right before a boss too. Yeah, right on. So, uh, but yeah, it's out. Uh, it's out everywhere except for Switch. But it's uh, it's on Game Pass. Important to note, and then apparently also important to note. Uh, seems like the PC version is a uh, horrific monstrosity based on Steam reviews. Everybody is uh, letting Has themselves there ever on been fire. A game that's like the PC version is, <laughs> is better. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. oh, it happens, well, buddy. It happens. It's not well optimized. Is basically what yeah. maybe that'll change in the future. But that's basically what everyone says. Also, apparently, if you're feeling like I'm. Feeling like spend seventy dollars or however much this cost. Um, the PS5 version apparently has better load times. I will say the Series X. It, I mean, there's a, there's some load, but I don't think it's let me buy it instead of just playing on Game Pass. Elements of load times, in my right. opinion, but just something to keep in mind if you you know want to pick maybe, a platform. I, it is a game that has like a long early load, and then every load after that is quick. It's okay. pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and it's a weird thing too, where they're also working on. So this game's set in China. And then if you remember this weird story, where Team Ninja is also making Rise of the Ronin, which is a PS5 exclusive. So that's the one set in Japan that also seems souls borny as well. So well, it seems like Ghost, I would say. I oh, really? Like, yeah. Oh, interesting. Ghost like just tonally and just like the angle of everything. Like, huh. I, I mean, maybe it will be Soulsy when it comes out, but that's I feel like the comparisons I heard. On the place their side was oh this is no, ghost of Soshima. Yeah. weird stuff uh but yeah curious to hear everybody's thoughts on Wolong long fallen dynasty there's a demo out by the way for Wolong long if you want to play it that way there's also hey there was this demo out for this other game um called humanity uh you might remember it from the state of play it was like the re-reveal of the game because technically it was revealed a couple years ago but it's the one where really it, yeah <laughs> Yeah, when you was that this? at? Was it also PlayStation? Years ago? Um, I think it was also a PlayStation thing. It's confusing because even on PlayStation's YouTube channel, they call it the reveal trailer for humanity where it's like, well, no, you showed it before and it was just a cryptic, weird, confusing thing. But this is from... Versus now. Versus now where it's very clear. <laughs> now it all makes so, sense. We understand yeah. That. yeah, it seems like Thaw Your is dog. the name of the developer that's making this thing and then Enhanced Games is the publisher who also, you know, from Tetris Effect, Res Infinite. You know them from the the vibrating bodysuit demo yeah that's right uh but this thing it's um 
It looks a little bit like Intelligent Cube. Uh, everyone was screaming at me on the last podcast or the podcast where I talked about it because I was trying to explain the genre and everyone's like, it's Lemmings. Just say Lemmings. Like, okay, Lemmings yeah. is the shorthand. Or like, yeah. But it doesn't help if you don't know what Lemmings is. Like, I've never right. played Lemmings and people just keep shouting it's Lemmings at me and it doesn't mean anything. People, Can you tell me what Lemmings is? Yeah, people or things march along a line and then you're like directing the route to try to get them to a final location, but there's going to be so lots Pikmin? of... More so, uh, for your reference, Janet, and Kyle Bossman made this reference on his channel, but it's like, um, remember in Ratchet and Clank, there's those Clank levels? Oh, hell yeah. Where you have yeah. to like, navigate them. There's like the fans mm. and stuff that blows them off course. This is the yeah. most recent one on PS5. It's yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's Lemmings, baby. So it's called Humanity. Um, well, and life it's, gives you Lemmings, you know? That's right. But it's out on Steam. It's going to be out on uh, PS5 in the future. I forget the exact release date for this thing. But they had a demo out that was just like 10 levels, and it's... It's cool. It is a cool, weird thing. It's just, it's nice to play a puzzle game that can make you laugh, where it's like a smart, weird thing, but also just like seeing this massive humanity just like crawling over stuff. Or then there's like, there's an evil group called the Others, and like seeing those two intersect. And it's just, it's fun to see the tech of the PS5 and modern gaming being used to like, what if we just put hundreds or thousands of people on screen at the same time just like the sea of humanity and these the systems that are complex all merging let's make ben feel the way he felt when he first saw dynasty warriors 2 on it's that demo uh, ooh, <laughs> a little bit if only i could ride on a horse and just use a spear as i'm running through all these guys um but yeah the diabolical part to get attention i think is very smart is uh you play as little shiba inu that's like the cursor so you're like a little dog running around guiding people, which is like, they, they know what they're doing. They know how to make the internet happy, I think. Like, what if instead of just a person, you just run around as a cute dog and you're barking as you're mapping out the different places where you want them to go and then there's jump pads and all stuff to, to complicate it. But it, it has, dare I say it, flavors of a favorite of mine of like Baba is You, you mm. know, where it's just like, okay, this is getting diabolically complex. Even just the demo, which was jumping between like 10 levels throughout the full experience, but it's just some real weird mind-bending stuff and just constant flips and twists and new systems. And then the big thing, too, is it has a bunch of uh, user-created levels as well, which in the demo is kind of fun to see mm. what was going on. Like, the most popular one was called, was it Big Splat Mountain? And it's basically, just, hey, how about you just classic? Yeah, have hundreds of people march up a mountain and then a bunch of boulders come down and it's just like chaos incarnate. Mm. So it's going to be a lot of that, but I'm looking forward to seeing how creative people can get with That's this cool. whole weird thing. But yeah, it seems... I'm optimistic about it. it. It seems good. And it also seems like one, you know, personally, it's like my wife was like lasered in because she, you know, her and I like love playing Baba's You together. And she's like, okay, I am all in on this game. Just like clean, simple puzzle design to figure out what to do. And also it's playable in PSVR. I, a friend is borrowing oh, right. my PSVR too, but it's like, it seems like a really cool one. If you just want to watch a bunch of little people walk around platforms, I can see this being a secretly seductive way to use PSVR too, you know? Uh, Kyle, I want to hear your take on this thing when it comes out, please. Yeah, I should have played the demo. I uh, I didn't. Apparently, I missed it. I guess. I uh, thought it would just be available. You blew it, dude. You freaking blew Ugh. it. Too, playing um, too much. Whoa, long. Too much. Uh, another game that is uh, big on the demo for it's surprisingly generous demo, but Octopath Traveler Two. I haven't put as much time into it as I wanted to at this point, but it's. Uh, new Square Enix RPG. This one is not exclusive to Switch. A lot of people thought that it was because the first one was for a little period of time, but this is also out on PlayStation. It's also out uh, on Steam. I have it on Steam Deck. Steam Deck seems like a great place to do that, but um, it seems like it's an improvement over Octopath Traveler is what people have said about the first game, but Janet, maybe I just connect it because of your love of Bravely Default uh, deep inside, but did you play Octopath Traveler, the first one at all? 
No, I just played okay. the first like four hours of it. Probably okay. also through a demo actually at the yep. time, or yep. maybe I just got the full one. It, it's one of those classic like it won't make it for our list because I know you know you're playing it. Other people play it. Like Kelsey will probably play it. Yeah, but. For my personal list, it's like a classic game I know is good that I will not play. Just because so, there's so many like long games out Yep. at the start of the year. It's tough. Because it's like there's this and Fire Emblem Engage are kind of like the two beefers over here. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I guess I'm playing neither. Like, I, I'd, I'd like... I'd like to get to it, but I feel like that's a lie. You know what I mean? It's just yep. a little bit chunky. But everyone says you. it's like amazing and that, especially, you know, Ben, you were a big fan of Live Alive. Yeah. And everyone's kind of making that comparison because of the way the story, also like the stories end up converging at a certain point. Yeah, and, you and kind you're of choosing which one to start with. Lines. I think, yeah, I, I was compelled to do it because, yeah, it's has a lot of similar DNA as Live Alive, even though that was a remake, but this is also that HD 2D look, a very similar art style in that way, and it's also very much a throwback to the Super Nintendo era where Live Alive was from. But it also, I love Live Alive. Jumping into this, it's just, I think it's tough. It's tough to get a clear on-ramp when you can choose between eight different stories to start out. You know, like, I like, I like my RPGs just being a kid waking up in bed and then your mom kicks you out of the house and you go on an adventure, you know, like having some build, but instead just jumping in, it's like, okay, here's a warrior. Here's the thief. Like those are the two stories that have started. It's just kind of like, okay, you're kind of just thrown headlong into this lore. And I, it's not grabbing me yet, but I hear everybody loves yeah. it. So I'm really curious. Like how you're saying like, as it. a solution to that, like you, they give you, they tell you one to play. And then after you beat that, you get the other seven. Maybe that kind of remove like some of the fun. So it's like, it's that trade off if you want the freedom, but I just, I think yeah. I want, everything's very, self-serious and that's not what i like in my rpgs as well based on the two that i played so far so i'm rooting for the game i want to see more of it but um yeah it's like if they're launching on new platforms as well i think they should have probably chosen a different name like octopath traveler 2 i think people are probably intimidated even though it's a completely fresh entry point it has some connections i guess to the last game but you shouldn't be intimidated by it but like i don't know how many more people are jumping in but they should be because it's on other systems and stuff so I'm rooting for you, Octopath Traveler 2, and let's hope Kelsey is all in on it. Uh, there's this other game that is DLC, technically, but Dead Cells Return to Castlevania is out now. This is DLC for Dead Cells. If you don't remember, it's the roguelite from 2019? 17, maybe? 17, even? I think you're Early right. Access, I think you're right. Yeah, right? it was a while ago. Yeah. Um, but this is a big Castlevania piece of DLC for this sucker. Who's all been playing this? Kyle. Kyle and I. Um, (laughs) And Mr. Hilliard. That's right. (laughs) Too many Uh, people to count. It's impossible. Hilliard, Kyle, Ben, like it's a whole cast. Mr. H, who are they talking about? Who knows? Uh, So I've been playing it in the morning. I probably put like five or six hours into this DLC. First impression, Kyle. Um, It's nice to go back to Dead Cells. You know, it's just nice to have a reason to go back to visit that game. It's like, oh, that's right. This game felt really good. I just haven't really thought about it in years despite them trickling out dlc and constantly supporting it but like this was enough to make me jump back and just kind of remind myself of the basics of dead cells and i'll feel how good it feels but um but then my point number two is castlevania is like my biggest blind spot for overall series like i've never really really gotten into one and so love the music but you love like gothic architecture and vampires you're always talking about how that's like your favorite (laughs) fiction i am aggressively anti-vampire maybe that's why i'm not compelled by castlevania but like, so which is why wouldn't you want to kill Dracula? That's the whole point of the game. <laughs> no, but like, I love the music of Castlevania, so I was excited to jump back yeah. in. And like, that is great. And overall, I've really been enjoying my time, even though I'm not 
Castlevania fan number one, you know, but just yeah. having the music and he's used to go back to Dead Cells, cool new art, cool new bars, bosses, like I'm in, but I'm curious what you think of this thing, Kyle. Yeah, how, how, how far have you gotten? Like, have oh, you not far. Fought? I've not, not far. I have okay. not beat death. <laughs> like, I've just got to okay. second it again. I, I have, uh, minor spoiler maybe, I've gotten to Dracula's second form. That's like the best nice. I've been able to do. Um, the, these friggin' second forms, man. Yeah, What's yeah, going on? Put, it, like put it all in the one. You got the bar can be as big as you guys want it. I don't it know if you'll know this. Who make, who make these games? Uh, you can but it, it, it would be it would be offensive if he didn't have his second form because it's like, like literally his Symphony of the Night two forms. Oh, fun. Okay. So, um, yeah. So like, I'm, I'm actually not the biggest Dead Cells fan. Like, it's funny. I I played it when it came out, but it's just I I still hadn't really found an appreciation for the genre and like. The, the nice thing about this is this has, you know, other than in the intervening years, I have found a couple roguelikes that I enjoy right, and now right. have a better understanding of the structure. This has been a great excuse to be like, okay, finally embrace Dead Cells and figure out how the game plays. And, um, and that's kind of like, it, maybe it's silly to call it a warning, but like one thing you should know, because like I went in kind of thinking maybe this would bridge the gap between Dead Cells and Castlevania a little more. Yeah. This is this is Dead Cells, right? Like that's this is Dead Cells ask. with Castlevania yeah. clothing. Yeah, that's um, literally what I was going to yeah. ask. Like, is it just Dead Cells with like a code? Not like in a dismissive way to the work and the thought, yes. but aesthetically Castlevania, but mechanically Dead Cells, yes. which does sound 100%. super cool because those are two great yeah. franchises or games. And but... like Dead Cells owes so much to Castlevania. I right. mean, it's it's it makes total sense. But yeah, but mostly like if I'm it's... not slowly walking up some stairs and like whipping, you know, and like slowly going up each one. It's like, I don't think I want to do that. Like, yeah. I'm not meant to move fast in Castlevania games. But the big thing is like it adds a whole bunch of new like weapons and stuff like that and like costumes and there's like a, f- a handful of Castlevania levels that they're actually kind of smaller than the main levels. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've, it's funny. I unlocked like Alucard clothing now, uh, which is great because then it's like, well, now I'm just getting this thing closer and closer to Symphony of the Night. It's right, like so right, close right. to feeling like Symphony of the Night. Um, but I, I have my hangups with it. Like the way that it's structured is like you play the first level and then you have an opportunity to go to Castlevania level and then you can fight death. Um, but to get Dracula, you actually have to you can't take that path. You have to beat death and then you, you start the game over and you cannot take that first set of stairs to Castlevania land. Oh, we have to play the first 60% of dead cells. Then you get an opportunity to go back to Dracula's castle. That's interesting. And the thing that bums me out about that is like, guys, I just want to play the Castlevania stuff. Yeah. Like just let me play the Castlevania levels. I don't want to go through the, the, the poison swamp just so I can get there eventually. But that's, that's mostly like a nitpick. I just like it, it. if I love Castlevania, just let me just play all the Castlevania stuff. You know, I want to be outside the castle, then inside the castle. Yeah, I, I'm kind of uh, weird. Yeah. That was my biggest shock going in. It's like, I know it's DLC. It's not standalone, but I was surprised by like jumping in. It's like, okay, where's the Castlevania stuff? It's like, oh no, you got to play just like the opening area of Dead Cells and then kind of find the castle outskirts entrance over and over yeah. and over again. There's no way to like just quick restart just the Castlevania stuff, which yeah. is such a and then And then once you beat death, you have to play even more Right, Dead right. Cells. That's surprising. Yeah. Okay, I had no idea. Yeah. And that's, that's the weird thing of playing. It's like, oh, would this be better off as a standalone thing that was a little more focused, just like a bite-sized Castlevania roguelite? I feel like this team was capable of doing it, but then they want to get people into the larger Dead Cells ecosystem, and there's plenty of other DLC to experience, so it's maybe the smarter move for them. Yeah, I mean, and it, it's kind of worked on me, because it has now finally yeah. made me go in on Dead Cells and, like, enjoy it for the first time, truly. Like, it, it, in the past, it was like, I recognize why this is cool, but I just don't like the structure. 
Right. And now now I'm happy to put up with the structure, basically. Hey, okay. But it does, man. It makes me pine for just a more traditional Castlevania experience with these visuals and these and this sort of like really tight platforming and sword action right. of like yeah, give me a big castle to explore with these visuals with like uh RPG progression. Um but uh, yeah, overall like yeah, it's it's if you like Castlevania and if you and if you like Dead Cells, like if you're in either of those groups, like this is a yeah. great expansion and this is cool Castlevania stuff if you like Castlevania. It fits really well. Yeah, for sure. Um Escapist had an interview with the development team talking about the history and how this thing came to be, and it's always just my favorite, like weird, loose answer of the origins for this thing where they said, Yeah, they were talking to Konami about publishing the game, publishing Dead Cells over in Japan and whatnot. And then they floated the idea of like, hey, could we like include like a little Easter egg of Castlevania or maybe like a costume? And Konami's like, eh, yeah, sure, absolutely, whatever. And then they're like, okay. And then they went back and they're like, could we do like a huge blowout piece of DLC that's all Castlevania themed? They're like, yeah, sure. And so like their takeover was like, oh, <laughs> they said like literally sometimes all you got to do is just ask and sometimes people will be up for it. You know, it feels like how yeah, Cadence I, I, of Hyrule uh, came about or whatever, you know, where it's like, yeah, whatever. You're drinking in the bar. You just asked. Yeah, sure. You can go ahead and make a Zelda thing. Go for it. You know, yeah, uh, Charles, a game former spoke to them too. And it, it was basically Konami was almost like, yeah, we were just waiting for you guys to ask. We didn't know what <laughs> was like taking so long. Uh, and the, the other thing, the other funny thing, them. I know the other funny thing that I thought uh, you'd never ask is that apparently, um, stairs were like really difficult to incorporate into the game oh really? like that angled because you got to have like sort of stairs yeah. for castlevania and that That's was like a I really important yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah it's like a really important thing for them to implement and apparently it was like actually surprisingly quite oh weird <laughs> weird who would have thunk it yeah i i wasn't really keeping track of the development team and this is some dorky behind the scenes stuff but i'm fascinated by it of like motion twin was the developer of dead cells then evil empire were some people that split off from Motion Twin to form a new studio. They called it Evil Empire, quote, because we really want to be the opposite of that, was the name of the studio, so <laughs> it's very solid reasoning. But So they formed that new studio, and then that new spinoff studio is now working on the DLC for Dead Cells. So I love that idea of just like, all right, we're going to go out and do our own thing. But we know that game pretty well, so let's just go ahead and keep working on that game that we're working on before. Yeah. But we'll put a bunch bizarre. of Castlevania stuff in there. Yeah, have exactly. you gotten Death's Scythe have, as a weapon? No. Have you seen that? Hansen? No, that that weapon is insane because like it's this huge like circular combo, and as you kill enemies, like you collect their souls, and their souls go out and kill other enemies oh, for you. So you have so just good. this like Ooh. insane chaos of like a, a Death Scythe spinning around, and like Funny. the sort of spirits of enemies going out and killing other enemies. Like that's the kind of stuff that's like that's the Castlevania additions that are just like really exciting and cool. Right, right, yeah. There's um, I guess I won't spoil it, but there's kind of like some Easter eggy stuff that mm-hmm. even I'm aware of that I was very intrigued by the first time I discovered it in the castle randomly like wait what is this oh okay oh this is just a joke that you put here for <laughs> Castlevania fans I see uh, alright that's Return to Castlevania that DLC uh, Jeff um, you correct my timeline but um, there's a game that came out called Kerbal Space Program 2 early access this sucker's out on PC the beloved game from 2015 everybody loved it where you try and put Kerbals in space Feels very up your alley. You like little programming, simi-style games. And I said, Jeff, um, Kerbal Space Program 2, this seems up your alley. And you're like, ah. And I said, Jeff, how have you not checked this out? Why don't you stream this? And you go, ah, I don't think so. And then you finally streamed Kerbal Space Program 2, and you said, wait a minute, this is up my alley. Ben Hansen knows me better than I know myself. Is that yeah, correct? He- um, mostly correct. Okay. You, not so <laughs> much. You weren't, at all? you weren't so much 
asking as constantly hounding me <laughs> to play Kerbal Space Program 2. Right. It, it got to the point, I think you he messaged me. does it to everyone. Me. It's weird, you, right? It is weird. It is yeah. weird. You, you sent me a DM, and I explained to you why I wasn't really interested in it. And then you just immediately sent the code anyway. <laughs> it, was, it was like, fine. I'll... Here you go. Yeah. Um, but you were mostly correct. Yeah. Yes. It, it's, it's a game. I, I streamed like three hours of it. And it, it is one of those games that for a, in a long time, I haven't felt this way where like I've just been thinking about it right. since I played it. Right. It is such It is such a weird game. My hesitancy going into it was... I thought it was going to be too complicated. My my recollection of the first Kerbal, and this may be wrong and, you know, it's hazy, but I feel like I played some of that game, but it was to the point where it was so complicated that I couldn't get to the the fun of even having a rocket explode. Is, right. Is essentially, that's all I want to do. I want to see those little Kerbals shoot out and explode. Um but the second one, so I don't know what the tutorialization was like for the first one, but they do a really good job here of explaining the basics of essentially astrophysics, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know enough about astrophysics to even know if I should be calling it astrophysics, but they really, it seems legit in terms of how much they're teaching you about launching a, ro- launching a rocket into space and orbiting planets and everything else and plotting out all your course like i i learned a surprising amount in those three hours um and it it feels like it's legit knowledge of of this must this must be how they do it this Uh must be like and and i think what the real magic of the of the game i think is they have figured out the right balance of taking something complicated and making it easy enough but not too simple and also within that framework, automating enough stuff, but still giving you things to do manually in order to make it fun and still engaging. Right. So you, you build your rocket however you want. It it kind of has a checklist of figuring out if you have enough, you know, velocity to weight ratio to actually get off the launch pad, which I definitely struggled with for a while. <laughs> um, but then, then like... They they give you kind of the layout of of how you're of the stages that you're going to do and you're pressing the button for once you're once you're out in space, you are adjusting the direction and thrust. And so if you want to if you want to hit an orbit around a planet or whatever, you plot it all out very meticulously with all the you know, and it's handling all the math behind it. But then once you do that maneuver, it'll be like, all right, in 20 seconds, you hit the thrust to 100 percent. And you're going to do that burn. And, and so once the burn starts, you're going to get another timer of like, and this, this all seemed like from what I know of space, like this is what you see in Apollo 13 and every, like every space movie. It's like, okay, thrusters go now. Okay. We're counting down in 10 seconds. You're going to have to kill the thrusters because if you miss that window, you're going to screw everything up and you're going to be flying towards the sun. Wish we may have a crew right now circling around the orbit <laughs> of the sun, which is which is the other super cool thing. So so it like they give they give you yeah they give you enough um, kind of basic knowledge to shoot a bunch of Kerbals out into space, and then if you're like me 
<laughs> they will run out of fuel and you will realize you've made a terrible mistake and you're <laughs> not getting them back. But but the interesting thing about it is is you run these simulations um and you can still jump back right back into like the rocket building and whatnot. Yeah. But the but the simulation's still going out there. So uh, we we have this crew of five Kerbals. They they've been dubbed the Doomed Kerbal 5. They are they have been orbiting around the sun for like 5 years now. Um, but but the interesting thing about it is that eventually once you understand the underlying kind of systems, you can send out you can send out another expedition to go rescue <laughs> rescue those guys. That and it's such great. a it's such a weird like emergent narrative goal that has that has really like kind of dug into my brain and it's like I want to. I want to send out another crew and get those guys back. I think I can do it. I think I understand oh the math of it at this point. And and it's it's it, it's just it's such an interesting weird game. It you are you are absolutely right. It is really up my alley. They explain things in those early tutorials that I never I never understood and I never thought. And there's a point during the tutorials where like once you're in orbit. And you want to leave, you, like, you want to get out of the orbit of, a, of an Earth. You may think that the way that you would do that is you point away from the planet and you go. And I was watching that thinking, yeah, absolutely, that is, that is what I would think that you would do. Right. And, and it's not. And, 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 they, and then they explain all the math. It's like, no, actually, you want to keep going in the path of the orbit, but you want to go faster. And Slingshot that will make, it. Yeah, it, essentially, essentially, like, if you go faster and you want to do it at the apoapsis, which is like, the largest, like the furthest away from the orbiting body that you're you orbiting. You don't need to that explain get, that. We all know if, what that term if, means. <laughs> yeah. If, if you do it then, then you will get further away on the opposite side of the planet. And so there, there's like all this weird physics. You can tell someone who, un, who like was into astrophysics as they were studying for their NASA tests or whatever – Probably thought like this would make a really interesting video game totally. if you can kind of boil it down, and and that's what they did, and it's it's super interesting in a in a really weird thinky kind of way. I love it. I'm looking at your stream right now, and I'm horrified by what's on the screen, uh, Janet. If you were terrified by the Wo Long UI, um, this is this is something else. <laughs> uh, but it's nice to hear that. Yeah, it seems like it has a good on ramp, especially compared to. Kerbal Space Program 1, there is like the big asterisk of I guess Kerbal Space Program fans are like, this one sucks, like it's not optimized for crap on PC, runs like butt, it's not as good, blah 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 so they're kind of tearing it down right now but it, since this is yeah, still early it, access, it's kind of like room to grow It does run like a Kerbal butt at this okay, point okay. Um, I, we, were, we were streaming at 720 because my my computer could not handle Anything else in my video got cho- not the actual gameplay, but like my camera video got choppy. So Fun. you, could, so maybe maybe it's maybe it's okay running for some people. Like you, I could probably run it at a at a higher level, but not stream at the same time. Sure. And also any t- any time that I would do anything in the game where like you could tell there was a phys- a physics crunch, like my camera would start to get choppy again. So yeah, they have some optimization to do, but look, it's just like NASA, you know, you go to space with the program that you got and then you figure out how to duct tape things together uh, and get your crew back. That's right. So I'm excited for you to keep going with this thing and for them to keep updating this thing, but please uh, check in and are you going to keep streaming it? You think? Yeah, I want to do, I want to do another stream. I think this 
they will. Sweet. We'll try and get the doomed Kerbal Five back. All right, please do. It's bad branding that that's what they got called. But, uh, <laughs> we're gonna save them. We're gonna bring them home. I believe in you. Uh, hey, Kyle, do you know how this whole thing operates? Uh, shooting Kerbals into space? Shooting Kerbals into space, yeah. which can be done at patreon.com slash minmax with two N's. Find the tier that's right for you. Help support independent games media. We've been on a hot one recently, releasing a ton of content on our YouTube channel and stuff that's just available in the bonus podcast feed. So please check that out and help support it if you enjoy it. And shout out to some of our biggest supporters. You know them. You love them. That's right, everybody. Hello Fresh is back again. They want everybody to know about HelloFresh. And, you know, you might be asking if you're a moron, what is HelloFresh? And to that, I would say, with HelloFresh, you get farm fresh pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. And that is why HelloFresh is America's number one meal kit. Genuinely, every time I open that secret website that I go to to find out uh, who's supporting us today in a big way on um, the podcast, and I see it's HelloFresh, a wave of relief goes over my heart because they're like, God, I love HelloFresh. I I think they're cool. I like their products. Every time I have HelloFresh ingredients in the fridge, I feel better. I feel healthier. I feel like dinner's going to be a breeze tonight. It'll be fun to cook. It's a piece of cake. Um, Kyle, when was the last time you used HelloFresh? Oh, it's it's been a little while for me, but I've wow. I've used it before, and it's always it's it's always great, man. It's it, good. Gen, there might have been a little sarcasm there in Kyle's voice. No, you're okay, putting good. That on me. Okay, good, good, good. Thank you, because I genuinely think HelloFresh is awesome. Uh, they want everybody to know that March is National Nutrition Month, and HelloFresh makes it easy to choose delicious, uh, dietitian-approved meals. Simply look for the dietitian win tag on their menu choices for meals under 700 calories and with one-third less sodium. And with the cost of groceries going up and up, now's the perfect time to get started with HelloFresh. HelloFresh is cheaper than grocery shopping and 25% less expensive than takeout. So you can go to HelloFresh.com slash MinMax60, the number 60 and use the code minmax60 there's two ends and then the number 60 for 60 percent off plus free shipping again go to hellofresh.com slash minmax60 use code minmax60 for 60 percent off 60 percent off plus free shipping you can find out uh, that promo code it's also in the description of this podcast no matter how you find it and remember hellofresh is america's number one meal kit also, thank you to our dear friends over at I Am 8-Bit. They want everybody to know about the Pathless, which is available on the Nintendo Switch. This is the I Am 8-Bit exclusive edition, which you can pre-order now at I Am 8-Bit's wonderful online store, which is also available in the description. Uh, the Pathless, the exclusive edition for I Am 8-Bit, it has a uh, fold-out poster, big old fold-out poster. It's got a reversible cover sheet. It's got collectible art cards. Because I am 8-Bit, they're not just going to give you the game. They're going to give you a great game because they have great taste. And they're going to pack it full of all sorts of physical goodies because they understand how fun it is to open up a game case, see all that good stuff. So, the Pathless, available at I am 8-Bit's wonderful online store. And everything in that store you can get by using the promo code SHAMROCKSHAKE. No space, Shamrock Shake for 10% off of everything that is under $100 in iMateBit's wonderful online store. Help support them because they support us in a big way. Please, there are promo codes for iMateBit and 60% off of HelloFresh in the description below. Check that out and help support iM8Bit because they support the MinMax community big way by shipping out a prize each and every week this week. Out of the kindness of their damn hearts, they're shipping out the Cuphead vinyl soundtrack. Something that went for, 
a boatload of money when we're auctioning off during Extra Life, but they're just shipping it out to a Patreon supporter, whoever submitted the best question over on Patreon. If you want to be in the running each and every week, you can support MinMax on Patreon. We'd appreciate it. And you can have your questions read on the air. Anything that makes the show better. You all ready for this? For these great questions? Sean Rubin says, hey, MinMax. You gotta let it resolve, man. Come on. I'm not ready. What's your favorite <laughs> non-pizza menu item you've ever ordered from a pizza place? My roommate says the lemon pepper wings from Pizza Hut are good. Sometimes he won't even order pizza, just the wings. Interesting. So um, is fast food pizza or like? Pete, well, I think any type of pizza place. Pizza Hut is interesting. Other than well, another, like, another place. Demo disc, that's know? right. That's right. On the side. There's a place in Charleston, South Carolina. I don't even know if it's still there called Andalini's. And uh, that's not real. They had like the it was crazy. They had like the best salad I've ever had in my life. It really? was like such a weird thing. It's just because they used their really high quality like mozzarella cheese in the salad. Yeah, it was so good. Uh, so I would go there just for salads sometimes, like a maniac. That does sound like a maniac's move. Is um, <laughs> I mean, I like wings. I like wings a lot. I, Pizza place wings, I don't know if I've ever been blown away by them. Like, I'd rather mm. go to a wing-specific place. I'd go, like, um, at, a, I think, was it Ben's Pizza in New York? Uh, the one that's right by the Comedy Cellar? They have, like, the garlic knots. And you can mm. get those for, like, 25 cents a pop when I went there. So, like, loading up on garlic knots, that feels good. Something you can still dip in marinara if you want to be nasty, you know? <laughs> garlic knots are good. Mm. Um, I My favorite accessory to pizza right uh, when i was in when i was in new york was sal's pizzeria had pepperoni pinwheels which is kind of cheating because it's basically (laughs) just a pizza but it it's like a roll almost like a cinnamon style roll of dough with cheese and pepperonis um baked into them and anytime i'm in new york i try and get back to sal's pizzeria and every time i do they're always sold out by the time i get there and it's always very disappointing. Um, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's good. It's definitely wings for me. Wings. Yeah. Like it's it's funny because I was reading this question before and I'm like, I feel like wings is the easy answer. I'm sure some people will say something like the garlic knots. And then Kyle, I was like, I'm sure some weirdo's gonna say the salad. Freaks, yeah. Um so we hit all the all the beats, all the hits. Sure. But for me it's uh Len- Lenova in Buffalo. They have barbecue wings, or like they might just be called barbecue, but they're like charred barbecue wings. And they're amazing. They're the best wings I had while I was there. Feel free to at me because I've been posted. Like, let me know where to go. And I don't know. I went to some of y'all. I went to some of these places and they did not deliver. But Ooh. Lenova, Lenova's barbecue hits super hard. All right, love it. Uh, DM DM writes us uh, a question on Patreon. They didn't DM it to us, and they say, "Hey, regarding demos, did you know that you could play the entirety of Crash Bash from inside the demo by entering a cheat code on both versions <laughs> of the demo?" Is that a mistake? I don't know. <laughs> I was looking it up. I was trying to find other people talking about it, but it seems like in Spyro 2 and 3, you could unlock a demo for Crash Bash, and then, but then you could just play the entire thing? That seems bizarre. Seems um, also, uh, Yakuza 6, remember the demo accidentally was the whole game? Remember they had to pull Yakuza 6? It was like, here's a demo. Oh, right. And people were like, this is just the game you released for free. There's some way to access the full game. Uh, and then DM says, Dino Crisis 2 also had a special 45-minute demo, but using a Game Shark, you could freeze the timer and you could play the entire game that way. Mm, I love nice. that good uh, stuff. I'm playing um, Dino Crisis right now. Oh, that's right. Yeah, how's that going? It's good. That uh, those games are weird. <laughs> I uh, I heard on the Game Informer Show podcast that you chose to go the puzzle route over the action route, and 
I've never been more horrified by a choice of a streamer. What are you doing? What are you doing? Really? Oh, I don't know. I didn't have a lot of ammo. I had like two shotgun shells. <laughs> I was worried. But, it's, but that's it's like more dinosaurs, fun. man. <laughs> All right. um, you know what I was thinking about with Demodus? Kyle, probably on that Demodus where you played Parappa. Remember like as the jam pack CD volume mixer number four and five or whatever. But mm. like it was all just like the square grid for how you chose the games. And then there were like secrets where you could get some of the panels to turn around by pressing buttons on them. And there were like secret right, codes yeah. in the back. Then you'd enter that and it would unlock like a bonus demo or bonus video. How did that work for like those publishers that got screwed by being the secret options on demo <laughs> disc? Don't you think you'd be like, hey, what the hell, man? Like who would agree to be the secret option? It's a terrible place to have people trying to advertise your game from. Yeah, I guess what's the advantage? I, I mean, don't it's know. exciting for the player to discover them, I guess. But. Right. But it's like, oh, here's Croc. Yeah. I mean, it's hidden behind a couple layers for the smart kids, but 5% of them are <laughs> going to find it. Um, Croc let's see. was it? Croc needed I mean, Croc was happy to take anything. I please, please. <laughs> Only the intellectuals were digging into right. Croc. <laughs> Only the intellectuals could understand the true legend of the Gobos. Uh, Matthias Julik writes in and says, Hey ho, rejoice! After many years of neglect, Castlevania has found a new home at the lovely Dead Cells family. These seemingly forgotten franchises are still waiting to be adopted, though. Can you suggest a fitting home for these franchises? Where should these live? Okay, so is this like they they should have licensed DLC for games, or is this like a developer should handle this? Yes, I think licensed DLC for games is a better way to go. I like that. Yeah, that'd be more fun. Banjo-Kazooie. Uh, like ukulele. It's I know. (laughs) And remember, it was was like I get a load of this a while ago, but like there was there was supposed to be originally there were talks of putting Banjo Kazooie in ukulele, and then it got pulled. Apparently, there's another like duo platformer, Clive and Wrench. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I just started that actually. Really weird. Yeah. Is it good? Should I play it? How into platformers are you? Like on a scale one to ten? Like eight lately? Maybe seven? Mm, the seven make gives me pause. So okay, okay. it is it is not good, but it is okay. okay. And for me, like I love platformers, so I'll like play anything that isn't like ill controlled. And this I think controls pretty solid. The mechanics are surprisingly deep. It definitely is like, oh, this is from that game, and that's from this game, and like, oh, this is the the HUD of the Crash games, and like those kind of tropes but i'm i'm having a blast and a half i put that thing on on friday and i was living my best life so i'm enjoying it but Fly, critically uh, i'm like the only one you, you know where else i would like to see banjo is like in the, the crash whatever was it the most recent crash bandicoot crash was, four was it's it? about time crash four? yeah yeah like that wouldn't that be it seems like he could fit in there i mean there's no world crashes but like feels almost like a playstation franchise at this point well he's a microsoft franchise well i know it's not really but it feels yeah. like it. if you recall Ooh. microsoft is trying to purchase activision currently so oh, there is a, a world is that what that's been about oh it's all been about crash and banjo make them kiss but i just feel like that he would fit in with that crew i don't know right. you know what i mean yeah like yeah, yeah. Would, oh yeah aesthetically i think the astrobot team the aesthetics aren't mm-hmm. quite there but just like from the who who has good platforming that i would want to have that yeah just make a DLC in Astro. Um, what, Sly Cooper. Where could Sly Cooper live? What other franchise could he live in? It's tough because um, like, there's no real yeah. stealth franchises going strong. It's like an open world. Yeah. It's more of like a platformer stealth to me. Uh, I mean, but it's like I just think mean, of other Hitman. dead franchises. You know? Hitman. Okay, so I.O. <laughs> can take it. Wait, okay, Jeff, Honestly, though. Yeah. In, in that world, if we think of like the Dead Cells Castlevania comparison, is it then 
sly skin but hitman mechanics so it's just a man dressed as sly cooper like right. what are we looking at here it's exactly Probably. that it's exactly yeah. that but like that you can call your you can call your friends and stuff to pull off your heists just like in the sequels you know mm-hmm. yeah it's too lazy just to say ghost of tsushima right because it's the same developer just, be like, just let us I mean, run you, around there his some, like you could kind of there unlock was... a sly cooper costume in there yeah you could dress like sly cooper okay that's yeah. close enough uh metal gear could that live in anything metal gear like the bipedal <laughs> giant robot itself or like metal gear solid characters <laughs> no like i franchise. think i want to walk around just stomp around as metal gear rex no yeah yeah although hang on that would be pretty good and another Armored game core is coming up get rex in there okay stop okay stop stop the podcast <laughs> that's up. the you answer <laughs> can you imagine if they said metal gear rex and raid dlc in the new armored core amazing shut up all right done uh sebastian let's email dan tack he can he can let him know he'll, he'll on, Danny. <laughs> um let's see mitch writes in and says miss joke opportunity when janet said as a kid she only saw a few minutes of the minish cap someone should have replied and you only saw a few minish too yeah yeah uh, i'm sorry we blew that uh jake tricks writes <laughs> in and says hey what was your first introduction to dinosaurs was it a book a movie a cartoon i honestly can't remember mine did I catch an episode of the Flintstones? Maybe it was a documentary VHS tape I checked out from the library? Did I see them in King Kong? Maybe it was a book my parents got me? Yoshi? Dino Saucers? <laughs> Land Before Time? The Ooh. Dinosaur Chicken Nuggets? <laughs> and also so Land Before sad. Time. That'd be so sad if your parents had to explain to you what, what am I like, eating here? Yeah. <laughs> what what yeah, is the shape like? Let me tell you, this is actually a reference to a very cool thing that existed a very long time ago. This is tough. I... It's probably some book. It's probably some dinosaur picture book that I had as a kid, right? But my first thought was there was a VHS tape and it was called just Dinosaurs. And it was a weird video that had live action bits starring Fred Savage and then also like stop motion and also cartoon bits. And the dinosaurs were singing like my Mesozoic mind. And I would watch that over and over again. It's like that. or this maybe explains like, so much about how we got it's through so today. It's so good. Um, or Fantasia. That dinosaur part of Fantasia. That was probably pretty early on too, right? Oh, man. And how good is Fantasia, right? It's the best, Janet. I want to do the deepest dive on Fantasia someday. But I understand that 1,000 people will view it. Well, that means you got to play Kingdom Hearts 1 to fight death on bald mountain oh really oh, yeah, damn it's like it. a, one of the final mm. bosses why don't you tell never me kingdom him. hearts was cool that kingdom sounds hearts great there's still time yeah do you remember does anybody remember dinosaur exposure <laughs> in a good way i i was gonna say land before time yeah like kyle but i think flintstones probably predated mm. that yeah that's what i'm thinking too yeah yeah also um again with the food one i remember like my brother likes oatmeal i don't because it looks already digested and any food that looks already <laughs> digested i don't like like a mental block okay um so i can't eat grits and enjoy them but you're missing out on guacamole um, yeah oh guacamole it, there's some exceptions you know it's okay. like, okay, this is this, i know this is smashed avocado it's all it's all good um but the that also had like a dinosaur tie-in where it's like you'd have little dino eggs in there right and stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah so it's like did i see him eat that oatmeal before i watched land before time i'm not sure but it's wow. possible a lot of education through food it turns out yeah, uh, cereals too, like, mm-hmm. again, like, Fruity Pebbles. Again, that's kind of like a Flintstones thing again, but, you know. Hang on. How is there not a dinosaur cereal? Like, a dinosaur mascot that's a cereal, you know? Like, or a cereal mascot that's a dinosaur. Like, of all the crap that kids okay. love, they love cereal, they love dinosaurs. What the hell are you doing? I mean, that's kind of Fruity Pebbles. I mean, it's like, there's I a dinosaur get, in the box, it's I Fred mean, and 
that other guy. Yeah, it turns they out that's the name. market, man. You know, they. What if you, you turn it? the box around, though, there's probably dino stuff going on in there. There is. That's true. I'm looking at apparently with the Lost World in 1987, they released Jurassic Park Crunch, and there's an option on eBay. Maybe I can buy that and eat that. That sounds pretty good. There's all those um, tri- tricks tracks for Jurassic World, which mm-hmm. has the tricks bunny, but See. he's like being chased by a pretty realistic T Rex. Yeah, that's box, no good. Weird. It's, it's weird. The magic. Right? Magic Fruity Pebbles has was what's his name? Dino was his name Dino? Dino. Like the Dino? Dino Dino Spumoni, right. Who could forget? Um just conflating a lot of IP at once. But he was on the cover of one of the boxes. Okay. Yeah, that's close. All right, we're getting warmer. (laughs) Which I'm really glad I took so long to explain that. It was totally totally worth it. Oh, we gotcha. Michael Berry writes and it says, Hey Min Max, recently I found the original packaging material for my PlayStation Vita. In this box, I found a bunch of AR cards, and I quickly remembered that the Vita and the 3DS had augmented reality functionality. That's a fun sentence to say. Neither system ever utilized this outside of a few tech demo-y games. I have trouble thinking of any other console or handheld that had such an underused feature. However, I do think the tech's a cool idea. Do you think augmented reality would would ever be incorporated into a full-fledged game, or will it only be assigned to interesting tech demos? Uh, I mean, there's always Pokemon Go... Ooh! Oh, you mean yeah. one of the biggest games of all time? That's... Yeah, but the thing about that, which is always will forever crack me up about that, is like if you played Pokemon Go, you 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 turned that off almost immediately. Immediately, like, right. yeah. Right. And it's funny because so many people who didn't understand video game industry were like, "Oh, Pokemon Go is exploding. Augmented reality is yes, the future right. of right. interfaces." And I'm like, guys, 99 percent of the people who love and play Pokemon Go do not use the augmented reality aspects yep. of it at all. <laughs> Yeah, people are in love with catching Pokemon. They don't really yeah. care about the background. Um, I think that helped, though, with promoting it. Because, like, yep, when I first got yeah. Pokemon Go, you know, like, who wasn't, like, at the bar? And then it's like, look, Pikachu's standing next to this bowl of nachos. Like, that was a big part of the We all had a good laugh. Right, yeah. Even if maybe when you're, yeah, you're like, okay, now I'm playing for real. Like, it's real real gamer hours. Then maybe, yeah, you turn it off to save the phone battery. But Right, right. I think of... um. It, I think it counts. Well, maybe not. Maybe it's just tech demo. But I mean, the best AR game of all time, of course, Kyle is Connect Party or Invisibles. Happy Action Theater. Oh, Invisimals. Oh, <laughs> no, but like Double Fine's Connect Party yeah. is the best. I love that even Tim Schafer says like, yeah, it's it's our best game. Just no one really talks about it. But secretly, yeah. it's our I most mean, I solid think game. Only in the last couple of years, I finally don't have a Connect in my living room because really, like, yeah, because a kid would play that because it's so much fun you yeah. know especially for like young kids yeah absolutely totally so that's a whatever good happened with like minecraft hololens whatever in 2015 like that was general. shown off like yep well did, they, they did a pokemon go style game too that just crashed and burned minecraft right? it, earth it came out right? yeah earth was yeah. out for a little bit and then uh they shut her down uh but yeah I, that was a fun thing at the launch of the 3ds like i think that tech was cool like having like the things pop out of the cards and your little face like with the propellers on top of it flies around and stuff face raiders thank you um gnome groan writes and says hey everybody do you ever feel embarrassed by your love of video games even though you work in the industry do you still feel the urge to hide your fandom because of what the normies may or may not think p.s ben how did it feel being called a dog with a stick in its mouth trying to go through a door on the last episode of the fire escape podcast those guys are so mean says gnome (laughs) I listened to it and I laughed. They were talking about uh, who they could beat in a fight and stuff. And Dan said he could beat me in a fight. And then I think it was Mike Mahardy <laughs> said that I would fight like a dog with a stick in his mouth trying to get through a door. Maybe it was Mary that said Dan's that. Dan's conflating his uh, Mike Tyson combat, right? <laughs> in real life. <laughs> uh, that could be. That could be. I think 
I think Dan and I would be close. I think Dan could probably take me, but yeah, I think yeah. it'd be closer than they were implying. I mean, I he have... studies wrestling like almost as like a, a what's an academic, right? So he, he right, yeah. But then again, I'm not sucked in by the lies of wrestling. I know how to actually <laughs> hurt somebody. Um, but yeah. in the comments says that Dan thought he could beat a wolf in a fight. That is so. true. That is true. His look, it's. He also thought. Now we do the weird math, like can a wolf beat Ben, and then like we have the transitive property of this whole thing out. The wolf is on my team, but yeah, do y'all ever ever feel embarrassed by your love of video games? A little bit. Sometimes when I'm hanging out with uh like another another dad, like my kids are hanging out, and I'm like, yeah, I I, I write about video games, and they're like, I fix my house <laughs> full time. <laughs> you have a real skill. It's a weird full time. Yeah. So now I have someone I text, and I'm like, hey, who do I call about this issue now? So that worked out. But. I think I think it's kind of fun. It's nice to have something in my back pocket of like, I I feel like I can talk to anybody about games, and they will have some game that they loved at some point in their life, and I will know that game. And I think that's a real nice thing to have, and especially. Just knowing that, like, you know, weird functions, social functions, wherever you're thrown to, that, like, I have this thing in my back pocket of, like, somebody in this room will really care about video games. Like, I just need to figure out who it is, you know? So That should be a video game. Trying to find the other nerd in the party. Right. Exactly right. Like that sniper game, right? But you're just trying to find Spy party. Spy party. I think the... The only thing that I get sometimes is like not wanting to be bothered with like bad conversation about it. Like mm. if you ever, which I'm sure many of us have, where it's like you mentioned that you play games or that you your job revolves around like playing games and writing about them or talking about them. You'll be like, oh, like my nephew played the whatever. And I'm like, man, I don't care. Or like that's not like relevant. You could tell it's like this weird. Oh, that sounds really cool. Have you like done this thing? And it's like, that's not really like what it is. And then it just kind of gets like sort of awkward for me um so it depends on how they receive it like if they right. receive it weirdly i'm not embarrassed i'm just like now i have to either just go along with this or correct you which seems kind of also snobby so it's i'm no, like yeah sure i like that game why not i think my only embarrassment usually stems from like the content of games when, right. when it's like when you see the examples where it's like oh, play this new wizard game, and the wizard is like a half-naked woman, and it's like, oh my god, I don't, I don't do this. Don't, don't associate I have gotten embarrassed while playing a game. I was play- okay, again, people are getting mad, and I know people feel like I drag Final Fantasy all the time, but Easy. it just is what it is. 7 Remake, I was playing it, and it was like the, and I know everyone loves this area, but like the motorcycle fight when you're like still driving in With the tunnel. Roche, yeah. And just something about it was very... It was very cheesy, because it is cheesy, and my boyfriend watched me play it, I'm like, man, this is, this is really... A lot. This is a this is a lot going on here. Uh, just Roche is a lot of ben, man I just to try like, and comprehend. Your head like, nah, that's not cheesy at all. The dudes fighting on the backs of motorcycles. Yeah, and if then, that's you know, cheese. Like, oh, like, I don't the, know. The voice what's lines mine. too. I'm just like, oh god. It's like, called subtlety, really good, Janet. Subtlety. Um, hey, Matt writes in and says, "Hey, Min Max, uh, is there a mobile game that has survived all of your cell phone transfers throughout the years? I've had threes installed on each of my phones for like eight years. It'll probably be on every phone I buy in the future." Well, I hope they keep updating it as well. Um, yeah, any mobile games have survived the legacy? Because for me, Bejeweled Blitz is getting pretty long in the tooth. Like, it's, I think even it stopped working as a standalone thing, but I still have Bejeweled 3 that's barely functioning on my iPhone. And by the way, it, hey, t- t- side tangent, y'all. What the hell is wrong with the game industry? All I want is a competitive Bejeweled game. Like, I know that Zookeeper used to be that, but mechanics of Bejeweled, but competitive. Like, you're sending crap to each other's screens. 
How does that not exist? It, correct me if I'm wrong. I cannot find this anywhere online. It's like the most pop, one of the most popular games of all time, Bejeweled. Just give me an easy 1v1 version of that, please. Anyways, the point is, um, the Bejeweled on the phone now is just barely working, and it's like, EA, those demons over there, they've just like shoved <laughs> crappy ads into it that'll play and just like take over your entire phone. And I don't know if anybody else is experiencing these ads in mobile games. It is twisted dark stuff where it's like I'm trying trying to play Bejeweled and in between rounds it just cuts to like this ad that tries to make it seem interactive and it's literally like a mother and a child who look like they're from a Christmas carol they're all like they're literally poor wearing like rags and they're shaking and I've gotten this idea this is a classic yeah and they want you to like drag the heat to the heater and literally it's this family who's like starving and freezing that's going like help us please help us it's just like watching a family die and they just want you to play their crappy mini game of giving them food or water or heat it is the worst but you gotta imagine a lot of people must be playing those games too which is like can you imagine seeing that like but forget those the movie also fantasy ads, game so it's just like like i i try to avoid like games that either have ads or I, maybe i can buy my way out of the ad and if i like the game enough i'll do that yeah but like good pizza great pizza it doesn't have a buy your way out forever option there's just like you just don't have to watch the ads though like because you can just opt in for like the gems or whatever but i'm like i need the gems to get the yeah. the cat skin on the register you know what Yuck. i mean like i'm only human Yuck. so Yuck. i watch them all the time so like i know all of these ads there's the oh you're ugly so now let me like shave this person's leg and right. then it's like or like really gross like body close-up anyway i forgot why we got on this topic but no they're just trying to get weird and visceral rough. with that yeah uh, yeah kyle uh, you, you like some weird old stuff right yeah i have one in particular i it's just called solitaire which seems crazy to me <laughs> that they would have nailed that <laughs> no but i've had solitaire since maybe my first like ipod touch weird. and they have I love that they've stuck with this. I don't know what magic they've done to pull this up, but they've consistently kept the game updated while also retaining all my stats for all these years. Wow. So I have like 1,219 games played, 125 hours long. What? Yeah. And it's, and it's just, it's not even like I'm playing a ton of solitaire. Like every now and then I'll get into this, like, oh, I want to play solitaire and I'll just play a bunch. Yeah. But it's just because it's been going for like 10 years. It's been tracking my stats and I love it. I think it's so so cool. cool. I hope it tracks it forever and it never becomes incompatible. I promise that'll happen, Kyle. And you'll never grow old and you'll never die. No, I did. I did. And they did have the option (laughs) a couple years ago for me to like buy it. So there's like no ads and stuff. And I was like, hell yeah. Take, take, can I pay double? Like, please. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, you can't. Stark writes in. Maybe this is obvious to people. I don't know. They say the recent PC release, Sons of the Forest, has me thinking about survival games. I need to play that, by the way. I know I'm behind. Um, why do you think survival games have been so successful on PC, so much more successful compared to consoles? And do you think that'll always mm. be the case? I don't know. I mean, what will break through on consoles? Well, I mean, a, stuff like Don't Starve. Thing. I mean, Minecraft is huge on consoles. Like, there are plenty of survival games that are big on consoles, it, but generally it still feels PC-ish. I think it's because the majority of them come out in early access and then they don't right. do well enough to ever make, they don't survive. Yeah, maybe. Do you think it's they also, don't make it to the consoles. Think about it. It's also like survival games, a lot of items you're dealing with. I feel like the UI is also tougher to navigate with a controller. Mm. Yeah. And so sure. that's limiting things a little bit. Um, and PC 
players are probably smarter than console players in general, and those games oh, wow. are better than most games. So okay. I think that's how it works. Uh, Valheim on Xbox now, though. Uh, Luca Alberti writes in and says, Hey, crew, why doesn't Disney and Pixar, why don't they do a Toy Story remake instead of beating a dead horse by making a toast Toy Story 5? I think Toy Story 1, while being a hallmark of animation, has aged quite a bit, and doing a remake would be much wow. more appreciated by fans to preserve its essence. I, I'm you sure could argue that a remake might be the dead horse beating. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I feel like it, yeah. I don't know. I haven't watched it in a while, admittedly, but. It's, I think it still uh, looks good. I still love it so much. One of my favorite movies, but it's it's just certain scenes. Like you see, you see the dog. Sid's dog is pretty rough. Like there's certain <laughs> yeah. things that just the blinking out of sync is a weird detail. I've I've thought I've certainly thought about this before, but it's like it would be weird if they took the video game approach. Like they could just wholesale lift the audio. Yep, hundred percent, right? and just like they don't need to re-record or anything, but just put their new Woody model in there, and you know, like. I would I I would buy a ticket to go see it because that would be a fascinating weird thing and it is the kind of thing that like a Pixar would do right like they would do this yeah. because they're just like they're weirdos over there and they'll try some weird stuff but I, mean, I don't they're know making a fifth tour story for God's sake but I feel like I bet the heads I bet Pete Doctor and the heads of Pixar I bet they're also in the camp of like you know culturally it feels like the entire industry learned the lesson with the E.T. Spielberg walkie-talkie gun stuff like don't go back and fiddle the special edition star wars thing it seems like that's a studio that i could see them leaning into like we're kind of proud of letting yeah. this thing age but i would like to see it just as a curiosity but i'm sure people would be like oh it's perfect you don't need to do it and they'll just scream at them the like it would it would take it would have to be like identical like they have to use they right. can't change yep. anything nope <laughs> you know nope, they're just like the, sh- the lighting just is suddenly better and then you know like that's it right yeah also i'm looking up now i like this weirdo dog i don't know <laughs> all right look it's charming call just, me washed if you want to but of all like, the things I that have know, something about him yeah it's like the baby Nostalgic. the people faces you know even andy's face is a little rough but uh, yeah, I'm just. Uh, Toy but Story it's, not 5. A, it's not about the people, like, you know what I mean? It's about the I toys. Watch, I watch Toy Story for the people. It's not people story. It needs to be. Uh, but yeah, Toy Story Toy Five Story for the people. Uh, <laughs> Get those damn toys guy. out of there. Uh, five. I don't know, Kyle. Bonnie's classmates in Toy Story Four. Exactly. That's that's the lore that really matters. But like, I I don't. I worry about Toy Story Five because. Pixar always talks a big game about like, we're not making a sequel until we're ready and we have the story that speaks to us, which is clearly nonsense because like Incredibles 2, they started production on it and then they scrapped the entire story that was supposed to be about AI and basically rebooted it. And like Toy Story 4, they're like, it seems weird to do Toy Story 4, but we have a story we can't ignore. We brought Rashida Jones in to write it. And then that story blew up and Rashida Jones left. And I feel like it happens with so many of these things. If they get in there, then the story crumbles, falls apart. They have to scramble to try and get something out the door. Even like, I'm sorry for bringing it up, take a shot, but Double Fine Psych Odyssey. It also just struck me as like, you know, Tim Schafer and Double Fine, they've wanted to make a sequel to Psychonauts for years and years and years. And then it's like, all right, time to write the story for Psychonauts 2. And it's just kind of Tim Schafer like, uh, what should this story be? Outside of like, oh, we want Raz to go to the headquarters of the Psychonauts and see what it's like. It's not like there was a grand vision or a larger theme to the game, really, that they're they're ready to hit on. But uh, Kyle, Toy Story 5, yay, nay. 
Uh, sure, I sure. I like Pixar. I mean, uh, yeah, I I don't think it's going to blow my mind. I don't think it's going to be another Toy Story three situation where I'm just like have to go see it multiple times in theaters. It's so but, good. Um, it's so good. I enjoyed it. Isn't the kid you know? grown up by now? And like, <laughs> well, with four, is it, is it grandkids or something? Well, it's kind of different. And four leaves it in a place where they're not really. What, what was it? Have Woody? you seen three, Jeffem? I think I've seen them all. Oh, they got incinerated, dude. right? Yep, that's how and it Andy ended. And Andy gave all his toys away. It was a very emotional, scarring moment. That was three, that, though, right? Right. Gave it to yeah, Bonnie. Right. So what's four? It, well, four then is Bo Peep. Bonnie's got him. Right, but then Woody eventually leaves, right, at the end? Yeah, yeah Woody and Bo Peep are, like, going out into well, the I mean, wilderness. I mean, I haven't watched it. I don't know. Oh, really? You haven't seen it? You should see it. <laughs> no. You know what? I actually... Not I don't to, know how it ends. Not yeah. to go down a Toy Story tangent, but I actually would kind of be interested in a prequel. You yeah, know? the Andy's dad like, story with Woody. Yeah, I think that'd be interesting. Or yeah, where did cool. Woody come from? Woody's this antique toy. He had a life before Andy. What was it? Yeah. You know? Yeah, and, and Lightyear did so good. I think they could really make a lot out of that. <laughs> uh, Tactical Dreamer writes in and says, Hey, better quest goal incoming. I've been losing a lot of weight the last couple of years. 73 pounds so far. And I'm getting pretty oh. close to my target weight of 170. So my goal is to hit my target weight, 170, in the next year. That's 32 pounds in 52 weeks. Oof. Careful. Do it safe, Tactical Dreamer. Uh, they say it might be a challenge, but I think it's doable. Well, congratulations. 73 pounds down. That's amazing, Tactical Dreamer. Best of luck. Yeah. Uh, Taraga writes in and says, Hey, everybody. This is sort of a better quest goal I've been quietly working on for a while. Since handling in... Handling... I'm sorry, that's on me. Since handing in my master's dissertation in archaeology last June, I've worked hard on writing and rewriting a good research proposal which might get me a PhD position at a good university. I finally went out of my comfort zone, reaching out to complete strangers, big names in the field, and so on, and sent them my work to gauge interest and ask for feedback. Long story short, I've just received an offer for a PhD position at Oxford University, and I'm elated. Wow. Feels like a massive weight has been lifted off my shoulders. Congratulations. That's incredible. Anyways, I just wanted to say thank you for being the very best of gaming-related podcasts out there. You're always consistent. I love the general positive mood. I didn't read ahead. I'm sorry, but that's very nice. Warm regards <laughs> from Norway. Thank you, Taraga. Um, Alex Britt. So now we're, we're Oxford endorsed? 100%. 100%. Alex Britt writes in and says, Hey, all I noticed some of the MinMax crew interacting with former Crack.com staff on Twitter sometimes. And that's super neat. This is such a specific question. Uh, I've been a huge fan of Crack.com and the Diaspora and follow a lot of their new ventures and all that stuff after Cracked. Bridging the two worlds, I really like the one-upsmanship by Michael Swaim and Adam Ganser on their art lens approach to games so my question is what is your favorite cracked content that you follow and i understand this is mainly for kyle <laughs> i thought maybe you well no, no I, just I, me, I, I got my answer too no i like michael swaim a lot i'm a big yeah. fan of his uh back in the sort of apex of their cracked days he had that series uh where he just would sort of look at internet culture which i watched a lot of those videos repeatedly he's very funny very funny guy that very funny swaim. guy yeah, um, but I check into they have their small beans uh, Patreon right, network, right? Uh, which I kind of I just check in occasionally. I'm not like a consistent listener, but if there's a video game they're talking about that I'm excited about, I'll check in. And the, a couple weeks ago, they were doing an episode about Akira, so mm. I listened to that. Um, but yeah, those I like those guys. I we, I, we I, you and I have been we tried to get Michael Swaim on the show before. I Did think. we? Yeah, maybe, I, maybe we talked. About I actually I interviewed him many years ago when he did a he was trying to do a Kickstarter for a video game. Right. And I actually like talked to him for a little while about that. But um, yeah, I used to really yeah. like the the crack podcast 
Um, and like they had the Sean baby articles on there too, which I always liked, but then I remember you yeah, had the crack podcast and it was like the first time that it really sunk in. They did an episode about outrage culture in 2016. And it was like the first time really that I soaked in that topic and was like, Oh yes, this is what society is like now. I've been looking for this term and the way to understand what's happening. And I don't, Jeff, am I, am I nuts? I feel like the term outrage culture has just gone away is it just that we're so used to it now and we no longer need to define it's, it it's, it's just, just our culture now you're right it's just but called culture isn't that weird how it has kind of gone away as a term of people trying to diagnose like what is going on why is everybody trying to get you angry at everything all the time everywhere and now it's just all that's the default it's it's right. now yeah now people forgot it and they just complain about critical race theory or whatever right right sure they, uh also michael swaim uh is the co-host of genuinely, genuinely one of my favorite podcasts of all time, which is the Vana Guys podcast. It's walking through everything written by Kurt Vonnegut. It is so good. It is such a good companion piece. Or just if you want to experience Vonnegut, but you hate reading, just go through the Vana Guys podcast. It is, <laughs> oh my God. And there's like super emotional episodes. It is, it is such a good podcast. Um, Zatch Moore writes in and says, hey gang, question for Kyle and Jeff. As the father of a two-year-old who struggles to find time and energy to play games... What are some of the best advice you have for a dad who still wants to game? What about those daddies that want to game, boys? Uh, game I, boys. I, game boys. It's funny we were just talking about mobile games, but honestly, like an early when the when the kid was like really young, I actually a lot of one handed like mobile games, like uh, how to build a uh, was it? God, I can't even remember the name. You it must was build ten a boat. million, and was it how to build a boat? You must build a boat. Is? You must build a boat. And even so, some of the Angry Birds, I really like Angry Birds Space. I remember really getting into a lot because um, then you could hold a I guess two is actually okay. they're walking around and doing stuff. But I remember holding an infant and playing Angry Birds Space and having a good old time. <laughs> and the baby wasn't just like locked in on that screen. No, they're like probably usually she was asleep. Okay. Right. That sounds good. <laughs> you you know, I don't really know, to be honest. It could have been a sack of flour in my hand. <laughs> it's been a while, man. And you are, it turns out you're quite exhausted during that period of your life. So you, you kind of, it's all a blur. They grow up so fast, you guys. I don't know if anyone's ever told you that. Jeff, um, that Jeff um, they, they grow up so fast. fast. They do. Uh, I took care of my child when he was a baby. <laughs> yeah! So I wasn't dance, playing dance, mobile dance, dance. games. Uh, no, get, get yourself like a PC Switch. games, like a real dad. <laughs> get yourself a Switch and play play Switch games. Yeah. That's the answer. Mobile. Yeah. You can turn it off, put it put okay. it away at a moment's notice. Hey, You're uh, not going to be doing any console gaming. Don't even just it, is, it. it is a lot easier to pause a Switch. That's a good point than it is right. any other platform. Because it's just there's a dedicated button on top that you can just always drop it at the at, at, at any point you know hey, Kyle, have you seen after sun by the way s-u-n like nighttime as in midnight suns yeah have you ever seen night <laughs> um no there's there's a movie like on the latest episode of blank check they kept referencing and i'm like what is like one of there's a couple there's like favorite movie of the last year and i was like what i hadn't even heard of after sun uh, one of the actors is nominated for best actor and whatnot but um i watched it last night freaking rocked me it's so good but right. it's about it's about a dad it's about a dad and his 11 year old daughter and so i was thinking of you i was thinking of you uh, and thinking that it might rock your world too it's it's british spell it a-f-t-e-r no space s-u-n it's a little okay. artsy uh but it really got me uh hey, Dr- i like artsy all right drake heinhorst wrote in they say hey man max this game is called jk simmons or jk I'll give you a game. You have to say whether Mr. Simmons performed in it or JK, which means just kidding. He wasn't in it. 
<laughs> All right. All we right. Got it. Let's start easy. <laughs> Janet Garcia. Janet, are you Googling J.K. Simmons right now? Yeah, because I don't, know, <laughs> all right, all right. don't know who that person okay, is. I'll give it, I'll I'm give not going to look at the games or anything. Okay, but. I'll give you the softball. Janet, J.K. Simmons, was he in Portal 2? No, J.K.? <laughs> no, he was absolutely a big part who of Portal 2. Who is this man? <laughs> J.K. Simmons. <laughs> okay, also, Once, I don't know if it's come up on the podcast you, before, but I literally don't know who people are. I know, like, five actors. That's ben. it. It'll be like, I'll watch eight movies. You know this person. I don't. I genuinely don't. That's <laughs> okay, a big if you've watched, gap for me. If you've watched, you said eight movies you've watched? No, I just if mean, you, like, it'll be like, I'll watch a movie, and it's like, you've seen this person so many times, and I'm like, I don't know who they are. If you've watched a Ethan movie. Hawk, that's kind of it. If you've watched okay. a movie, there's like a 75% chance J.K. Simmons was in it. Right. Uh, <laughs> what, did, what was his role in Portal? Uh, he's Cave Johnson. Cave Johnson. Yeah. Who? Uh, the old guy. Oh, like the, the boss. Yeah, the boss old boss guy. guy. Life gives you lemons. Yeah, you, you made a lemonade in reference earlier. Yeah. I, okay. You gotta play Portal 2 <laughs> he, plays again, a, he plays Aang's. I play Portal uh, 2. And I remember like, beating it, by the way. <laughs> I'm not questioning that. Ben I'm not Gatekeeper Hansen. <laughs> Look, I'm questioning. I would put $1,000 down that you did not beat Doom 1. I'd put it down on this table right now. Why? Why is that so shocking to think that would be Doom 1? Uh, You're the only one that's like fighting demons because, in hell. I don't because, know yeah, what's your aversion to it. Yeah. This uh, says more about Hanson than it does you. Because, 100%. Because you're the one that's like, you like calling old games dusty and stuff. That's I used to be younger, though, when the games weren't old, and they just were games. Okay, that's pretty old. All right, okay. I well, mean, when you're broke enough, that's all you have is old games. Yeah, that's true. Uh, well, that was it. Um, we failed the test. Thank you, Drake, for writing it. No. Uh, okay, uh, Jeff. Yeah, I want to play Don't this come game. back to me. <laughs> I won't. Don't worry. Thank <laughs> Just, you. You forfeited the right. Uh, I Jeff, it. Uh, Spider-Man 2. Was he in it? He sure as hell better been. No. JK. Correct. Although it's confusing. Really? Spider-Man 2 on PS2. That's a JK. Because he was only in the PSP version of Spider-Man 2. It's J. Jonah Jameson. Oh, weird. Isn't that okay. weird? Uh, Kyle. Yeah. Mass Effect Andromeda. JK. Correct. Uh, Jeffum, Lego Dimensions. Yes. Oh, yeah. Correct. As? Come on, don't blow it, dude. Probably like eight things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um... Spider Spider Man Dimensions, you said, or no. Lego Lego Man you Dimensions? You, you have <laughs> dementia. You don't know where you are, uh, Kyle. It would, okay, take your guess. Lego Dimensions. <laughs> so he was, he's Cave Johnson. He's Cave Johnson. Was Portal Correct. DLC. Correct. He was. Yes. If there was Avatar stuff, he might have even been in that for that too. Oh, maybe. interesting. Um, okay, uh, Kyle, Command and Conquer Red Alert Three. Uh, yeah, I would assume so. Of course, right? he, he was. He was the president. There. It turns out in Red Alert Three. Uh, oh, yeah. Jeff, um, <laughs> M and M's the Lost Formulas. Yes, obviously. Janet, look this oh, up, please. M&M's The Lost Formulas. It, it looks like an old I know why he was in it. Yes, Kyle? He plays the yellow... He, he plays the, the yellow M&M. That's right. That's right. It kind of looks like a fun old PC platformer. I'm kind of into it. Uh, let's see. Uh, Jeff, um, The Legend of Korra. Yeah. Video game. Of course. He's Tenzin. Who can forget it? <laughs> uh, all right. Thank you, Drake Heinhorst, for writing in. Uh, okay. What do y'all like for question of the week? Uh, Toy Story. <laughs> Toy Story. I like the dinosaurs, but I always say yeah, that's that. That's a good question. Too. I always say that sentence. We all did a lot of googling for dinosaurs. Yeah, Janet, how are you feeling? Which one stood out for you? Um, mm. can I get a third option? 
don't know if I like either of um, these for best one. Augmented reality. Because I'm vain. Uh, <laughs> forgotten franchises. Pizza. I like, you know, here's a, here's an oddball. I like DM who just wrote in talking about the way to access full games and all of these demos. I think that's kind of cool. Janet doesn't look as thrilled by that idea. I guess the, um, I like the franchises one. The franchises one? Yeah. I like the DLC. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah that was good mm. too. Okay. All right. Jeff and Kyle, where are you leaning? Let's do franchises. it. Franchises. Also, like, no one reviewed this Eminem game, by the way. Really? I did start Googling. Ooh, all right. Hey, put somebody has to champion I can't find, like, any reviews for it. Like, like they're Metacritic, nothing. Open Critic, nothing. Just typing in reviews. Like, I end up on superkids.com, an educational software review website. Was this an educational game? Come on. Well, we need so, to check hey, it out. game champion. That's uh, right. Somebody right pick there. it. Somebody pick it. Uh, congratulations to Matthias Ulick. You just won Cuphead on vinyl thanks to I'm 8-Bit. Thank you so much for writing in, supporting us. Now it's time for something that we personally like to call get a load of this all right come one come all jeffem wow us baby uh get a load of this uh this is a new yorker article it's not really about the new yorker article but we're starting there okay. uh it's called the internet's richest fitness resource is a site from 1999 um, the point of the article is basically to just call out a website called exrx.net. Um, and it, it, tru- it truly is the oldest, jankiest looking website that you can imagine. But what it is, is like a compendium of anything you would ever want to know about exercises, including it has a list of any exercise that you could possibly imagine broken down by muscle group of like what you're exercising and then it has looped gifts for every single exercise okay. and so it is this it looks like this amazing resource for anything that you want about diet or health or exercise um but it it looks it looks like a dusty website as I love it. kids would <laughs> i love say. it but it does look like a great resource so check it out there we go uh, there's links below for all this fun stuff uh hey get a load of this um, Square Enix, uh, when Theater Rhythm Final Bar Line came out, they posted a blog talking about the history of the series and all that stuff for the music rhythm games. And apparently the original name for the first Theater Rhythm game was, quote, Final Fantasy is Music. <laughs> but then apparently Nomura saw that and he's like, uh, we should come up with a new word instead. Let's go with Theater Rhythm. Nomura said, yes, sir. I was about to say, I didn't think it could be worse than Theater Rhythm. But, uh... <laughs> I, I kind of like it. I kind of just like the bold, just say what it is. Final Fantasy is music for the name of this rhythm game. But it's a fun, weird fact. Janet, you got something? Yeah, get a load of this. I'm actually like hot swapping for a Doom-based one. Because yeah. um, some people have thought it's weird that I like Doom. I don't know. Think weird. of that way you will. Uh-huh. And you go to, uh, there's a bot, it's called, uh, which hopefully this survives the destroying of some of the stuff you can do on Twitter. You know, it's a whole mess. But for now, it's a bot that's at Doom Scroll. Doom is the name of the handle, and it's Doom Scroll Doom Bot. It is your hourly reminder to stop Doom Scrolling and start Doom in all caps scrolling through all fifteen thousand seven hundred and seventy frames of Ultimate Doom, starting from the end, and then it links out to like who provides the footage, and it's literally just frames screenshots from Doom. Um, I've been following it for a while, and it's really nice. You just look at Doom screenshots all day. That sounds fun. By the way, Janet, I'm really proud of myself. I've probably talked about it before on podcasting crap, but like. I've I've cut doom scrolling out of my life since the new year. Yeah, I've been thinking about it. It's really I excellent. I know. Well, I I I tweet stuff out and I check my mentions, but I've just I didn't think I could do it because I was 
hopelessly into it. Um, but it's like, yeah, never scroll through Twitter. And I gotta say, it's a better life, everybody. It truly is a better what life. What are you doing on the other side? I want to know how the other half lives, you know? Oh, I mean, a- just checking YouTube comments more often. Um, okay. Yeah. Oh, that's... <laughs> Why don't you just go on Reddit? Jeez. <laughs> Uh, Kyle, you got something? Uh, yeah, I get a little of this. Uh, shout out to my my friend Aaron Blevins who texted me this just out of the blue. Uh, this is from a YouTube channel called uh, Riazor MC R I A Z O R M C. And what they did is they modded Mario Kart into Ocarina of Time, what? and it's basically like they're driving their Mario Kart driving through the whole the entire landscape of Ocarina of Time like starting at the Deku tree like all the way to the Gerudo Desert in like one three minute video yeah and it's like it's it's cool because it's like oh that's a fun mod idea it's like what if you could Mario Kart race through Ocarina of Time but it like it is probably the video game video game landscape that I know better than any other video game landscape yeah 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 and so to see it at high speed like that is just so weird and strange and like to see them like race through this one section of Ocarina of Time be like man I spent so many hours in that one spot they're yeah. just like flying through it in 20 seconds it's really fascinating to watch it's that's fun. cool that's cool uh did you get one from the community there Jeff I'm? I did uh get a load of this this is from that flow state um and it's a tweet this is stupid but it tickled me uh-huh um, it's a tweet that says, I don't know who needs to hear this, but most of the one-star Amazon reviews for The Princess Bride are people irate that it isn't, quote-unquote, the original book and is instead the abridged version by the screenplay writer. Um, and then I went and checked out the reviews, and it's absolutely people who don't understand that the core format of that book, as it was originally published, was by a supposed screenwriter who was like, abridging the the uh, oh. story as he was re, like retelling it oh, um, and so, so that's, the, that's the way it's supposed to be but it's just a lot of people complaining that amazon doesn't have the real book <laughs> um and that it must be out there somewhere but all you get is this crappy version which is like very heavy-handed the way that he does it right right that's good it's, Links below for all this funky stuff. Uh, thank you all for watching or listening to this episode of the Minmax Show podcast. Um, heads up, this is your one and only warning, everybody, because this thing's coming in hot. We have the new episode of Trivia Tower. It is happening Sunday, March 12th. That is this Sunday at uh, 2 p.m. Central. It is happening on Sunday at 2 p.m. Central, which is much earlier than normal, so that Europe can compete. So, hello, Europe. I'm talking to you, France. I'm talking to you, Germany. I'm talking to you, England. I'm talking to you... You're braver than I am. I would never try to name places in Europe. (laughs) (laughs) Norway! Someone wrote in from there. Uh, You all, please jump in and compete in this episode of Trivia Tower. You can jump in and compete to win prizes like an Astro A30 headset. We have a ton of game codes to give away. So jump in and compete, please. If you jump in at that $2 tier on Patreon, not only do you help support Independent Games Media, but you can compete in a very fun round all about video game trivia. And we're going to be joined... On this episode, it's a crossover, which I'm curious about, uh, with Did You Know Gaming, that big YouTube channel. Oh, so cool. some folks from Did You Know Gaming are going to join us to find out if we do, in fact, know. Uh, so help support independent games media and compete in that. We'd appreciate it. Also, if you jump in on Patreon, you can unlock the podcast version of The Deepest Dive. Uh, right now, we're going through Like a Dragon Ishin. The second episode of that just went live this week on YouTube, but also the podcast version of it is available in that bonus podcast feed, which is very easy. I get messages all the time from people on Patreon like, oh, this was so much easier than I thought to just 
support you at the $5 tier and then your bonus podcast just show up right in my favorite podcast app. It's a piece of cake. So we have Like a Dragon Isha in the Deepest Dive happening right now. And then we're going to be doing Resident Evil 4 Remake coming up very soon. So it's a good time to jump in and unlock those podcast versions. Uh, also, we have our interview with Chia's director, uh, Phil Crefo, that is live right now on our YouTube channel, but also available in that bonus podcast feed. Uh, that is that upcoming open world game that looks a lot like a inspired by a wind waker or breath of the wild uh hotly anticipated um kyle i assume you haven't heard that interview yet which is fine but is interesting um at the start turns out the director of chia is like a big old game informer fan like he's really, oh, into really? overblood and like the old super replays he's part of like the overblood facebook group and stuff so it's just weird oh, to be nice. like, oh now you're at this level of directing chia that's bizarre um also cool. he, he talked about yeah like matt miller going to new caledonia with him and the team and stuff so it's cool um anyway so you can check that out in the bonus podcast feed bonus podcast feed or up on youtube uh, also party chat our weekly bonus podcast this week's episode we talk about behind the scenes of the celebration of psych odyssey all that fun stuff we talk about podcast numbers dive into the weeds we talk about our favorite documentaries talk about interviewing ed boone somebody wanted to talk about which is very funny um i break down my thoughts on the first episode of survivor this season so if you're a survivor dork i also cover that but it's whatever anybody wants to call in and podcast about so we appreciate people who unlock that bonus podcast all right i think that's it for this episode we have some people to thank who are at the game champion tier jeff you know who they are yeah, all our favorite people. That's right. Uh, studio, <laughs> you should read them. Studio Hoi Ho, they are officially the champion of Hurdy Gurdy. They chose Hurdy Gurdy to be the champion of Sly 2 Band of Thieves. They're the champion, or sorry, uh, Procyon number six is the champion of Sly 2 Band of Thieves. Jesse Spencer is the champion of Yakuza Like a Dragon. Malcolm Holiday, what a, what a beaut. Malcolm Holiday is the champion of Final Fantasy VIII, but only discs one through three, because that's all they can get through. So congratulations, Malcolm Holiday. You are undoubtedly the champion of Final Fantasy VIII, but only discs one through three, which means disc four of Final Fantasy VIII is available out there if anybody wants to be the champion of it. Also, that M&M's platformer is just sitting there ready for whoever wants to take it. Uh, But hey, that's it for this episode of the MinMax Show podcast. Hope you all enjoyed it. If we missed some big news or something, please forgive us. We recorded this one a little bit earlier, so we didn't talk about the Playdate stuff. We can talk about a bunch of stuff next week, whatever we missed. But thanks so much, everybody. Be good. Have fun. Let's go. Let's go.